Very ladylike. Oh my god. What? That was you? know why i'm laughing why are you laughing <laughs> we're doing another one of these things oh boy here we go some dumb what? mother some dumb motherfucker said we like this thing and you should do it more so i'm being an idiot and saying you know what we should do it more it's do what we should do this podcast it's the socks cast episode two we made it to two hooray oh. <laughs> that's what this is I, we we did that bit last time, John. I don't think it's going to work this time. Really? Anyway, welcome to the SoxCast episode two. I am your wonderful and amazingly modest host, Polly. And to my immediate virtual right is the embodiment of Scarlet Devil, Rhett. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. And to my left is a man who could actually care less, but he's just not gonna. It's John Thayer. Hi. How you doing, John? Great. And hey, I've got, I thought you were going to call me the imperishable knight. <laughs> I've got some amazing news for you two. What? The hamper seat is actually being filled right now. Really? Yes, we have. I'm looking at it. It's filled with clothes now. We have our very first ever socks cast guest. Isn't that amazing? Who is it? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. I'll give you a few facts about him. He was born thuggin', heartless and mean. Muggin' at 16, on the streets watching fiends buggin', kicking up dust with the older G's. It's Boner! Hello, Hi. everyone. How's, he, how's it going, Boner? life. <laughs> <laughs> so, Boner, who the hell are you? I'm some guy on the internet who talks at video games, and sometimes they talk back, and then that's when I know it's time to stop. Do, do the voices in your head and the video games get along? You know, sometimes if it's a game where I speak into a mic and say, Squad, go here, and then the game goes, I don't know how to respond to that command. Then I just say, screw it, and select it from a menu. So, no. No, the voices don't get along. Oh, so, seeing as you are our very esteemed and highly praised among all of the internet at large first guest... Why don't you start us out by telling us what the hell you've been up to lately? Well, recently I have just resumed uh, LPing after a long hiatus. Um, I just recently posted a video of the greatest Sega Mega Genesis game, El Viento. Oh, Wolf Team. Everybody loves those games. They're so good. (laughs) What are some other Wolf Team games? Um... Solfeast? Yeah, I haven't played I'll that look it one. up right now. I think it was Solfeast, and there's um, someone... Oh, Solfeast is one of those? I think so. Professional. Professional. Wolf um, Team is a free-to-play and free-to-download FPS MMO. No, that's... No, that is not... Is that like Attack on Terror, or... No, wait, it's... Uh, okay, I think I just confused Attack on Titan with that crappy Korean. 
um, horror military combat game. Anyway, I've been playing games. Have you? What you yes, been playing? I, what you been playing? I've been playing Wise Origins. Really? Named after the potato chip brand. <laughs> <laughs> just, just so y'all know, um, uh, uh, L- Wolf Team was a development group company that went on to become Namco Tales Studio. Yes. And they just oh, wow. exclusively make Tales game, all of the Tales games now. This is I'm your sorry. lot of life. That's, yeah. So the people who made sad. Soul Feast and El Viento make Tales of Fantasia, Destiny, Rebirth, Symphonia, the Graces F Remix HD. Thank you, Johnopedia. Well, All right, you may continue. I think you missed like half of them. <laughs> Don't encourage the boy. <laughs> Tales of Fantasy, Star oh Ocean. <laughs> yes, Boner, you were playing Wise Origins, were you? Yes, the origins of Wise. See, they start out as potatoes, and then they... They get cut into little pieces, after which they're fried and usually seasoned with some kind of uh, sour cream and onion. No, but it's it's a very fun, cute little hack-and-slash dungeon crawler game, um, which uh, I I kind of enjoy these games a little bit more than Zelda, just because they're a bit more about the running around in combat, and they're a little grindy, and they do suffer from the, here is the item, you need it to clear this door. Uh, syndrome, but I've also been playing a little bit of Borderlands 2. Oh, well, 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 yeah, that... Slow down there, buddy. What? Yeah, slow down, yeah. hold your horses. Yeah, we don't really like... Am I good on time? <laughs> somebody somebody wants to get this over with fast, um, <laughs> but uh, I was going to say, you were talking about well, it's East Origins. Um, uh, I-, I played that for about two hours. Um, having... I had played uh, The Oath in Felgana before that, which is amazing. Which is an amazing game, and you know, it's true to what you said though uh, about those games that they can be a little grindy, and like you know, when you level up once, you, your stats go through the <laughs> fucking roof. You you get one new item, and suddenly you're hitting things for two hundred and fifty thousand more damage than you were before. It's definitely that kind of game where you need everything is set in a logical progression, including. You, you know how your character advances, you know, from a gameplay standpoint, and you've definitely got to play by its rules or GTFO. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, the original Ease was really came before Zelda, and really it was more of an evolution of games like Dragon Slayer and Hide Lie than anything else. So you can kind of see a lot of those roots there. So Boner, have you played any of the other Ease games? I played. Um the Ease Eternal uh, remake of Ease 1 back on a fan translation ISO. Uh-huh. And um, then at the time, Ease Eternal 2 wasn't translated, so that's where I stopped. You know, Ease 2 is a lot better than Ease 1, that's for sure. Um, and like, Yeah, it takes you more than 15 <laughs> minutes to beat for one. <laughs> I yeah, keep I, telling people how much better Ease 2 is, and like it, everyone on Steam that I know... Has bought has played the first one and then stopped at the second one. And I am, like, you I am, guys, I am just guys. as guilty. I am just as guilty. But at the time, I was coming off of having played like four East games in a row after I finished the first one, and that last boss and I mean, uh, yeah, the last few bosses suck. And and, and Vajulian can go yeah. suck a butt. <laughs> I beat Vajulian on my first try. You can go suck a butt too. I did not beat the final boss on the first try. That one took like 45 minutes. That is not the sound of someone sucking a butt. You can quit talking now. Boner, you were playing another game? 
Uh, yeah, I was playing Borderlands 2, which I already owned on PlayStation 3 and played through twice. Once oh as God. the Siren and once as the Mechromancer. And then I saw, oh, hey, Game of the Year Edition, $10 on Steam. So now I own that game on two platforms. Uh, I really just wanted to play as the Psycho, um, which uh, <laughs> I also like to call boyfriend mode. <laughs> are you um, uh, are you playing through it uh, co-op or by yourself? Uh, right now I'm by myself because um, I, I don't know how to play games on the internet. I, I think you've got to like dial in a modem. Uh-huh. Uh, and and get on CompuServe to do that. So um, uh, I thought someday. I I thought I remembered you playing the PS3 version uh, co-op with somebody. Uh, that was local. <laughs> so I mean, how are you enjoying it going through it again? I mean, is it still you know fun and grindy, or is it just kind of like, well, I bought this and I might as well just play it again? Well, I will say that Borderlands is kind of a comfort food game kind of like the saints row series at this point it's they're they're not doing anything groundbreaking or particularly new with each installment but you can sit down with it and have fun and not be like oh i'm so totally sick of this um so now whether that's gonna continue to be the case as i get further progressed in the single player um we'll see cool you playing anything else or uh, I'm playing a third game, which I cannot talk about just yet. Oh, I assume it might, be related, it might be related to something we're talking about later, I assume? I don't see why you jumped to that conclusion. I mean, <laughs> what, maybe I just don't want to talk about it. Okay, I'm not, I, I, if you don't want to talk about it, I'm not going to force you. Instead, I'm going to go over and talk to my boy Rhett. And oh, ask Rhett, hey, around. how you doing, Rhett? I'm doing good. What you been up to lately? Uh, I got a job. Did you? Woo. New and exciting. Congrats. <laughs> Ding. Ding. He finally leveled up in life. We're so oh. proud. It probably won't last that long. Are you, a, are you a berserker? No. Uh, there's are you actually, a samurai class? Oh, for God's sakes. So, <laughs> <laughs> there's a probably a pretty good chance i'm gonna get laid off soon so after just starting <laughs> i know they even they actually called and said like you don't have to come in saturday if you don't want and i'm like uh usually gonna- not a good sign for a job <laughs> i'm gonna come in anyways <laughs> yeah good idea oh yeah so uh so, yeah you're playing any games i am i have you? a few games here and i'm sure you're Dying to talk about one of them. Hit me. Tiny Barbarian DX. I've seen this game. Tell me about it. I am interested. So this is a 16-bit-ish platformer. It's just you play as a barbarian, you hop around, you smack dudes, and it's just a lot of fun. Is it anything like Volgar the Viking? It's kind of like Volgar the Viking. It is very difficult by the end, but it's not like as stiff as Volgar is. Right. Like, Volgar, once you start jumping forward in that, like, you're moving forward. It's kind of the more Castlevania-ish mm-hmm. kind of jumping. This is more fluid. Like, you can change your direction in midair and stuff. Ah. It just So it doesn't feel as rigid and you must do it exactly this way or you will die. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of commitment to the gravity yeah. and stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it, but 
The one thing about Tiny Barbarian that I didn't like, though, is that even though it's not on Steam Early Access, it's not really finished. Wait, how does... Yeah. How does, how does that happen? Well, you know that game I made where I released it as six episodes, basically? Yeah. They're kind of doing that. Oh no! Do you so get do you get all uh, the episodes when you buy it or? Yeah, it, you okay. get everything right now. It's just like I don't know when you guys are actually going to finish this. Uh, so how long is the episode? So episode one took me a little under an hour, and then episode two took me a little under two hours, which is basically because it's twice as hard. Oh, okay. So they're not really getting like longer stage length wise or anything like that. It's just kind of getting progressively more difficult as you advance. Episode two might have been longer, but it is hard to tell when I'm dying a lot more. Mm. And it, the whole it actually times you the whole time. There's a little clock on the top left. I see. And I know some people like the speed run record for episode one is like 15 minutes. Sheesh. I saw a 19 minute run or something for Volgar, and it was like, "Fuck it, never playing yeah. that game again." <laughs> <laughs> Those games are nuts when you can just... Like, I, I love Volgar the Viking. I think that game is great. And it's it's definitely stiff, like you said, in a lot of ways. In a lot more ways than just, you know, it's physics. It's also stiff in that, like, it is a very memorize, memorize yeah. it and then do it kind of game. Like, there is only one way to approach everything, and the enemies are always going to be at this one specific place. So, yeah, that game is very stiff. Is uh, Tiny Barbarian sort of that same kind of methodology, or...? No, it's really not. It just feels a lot more fluid and kind of... I'm not sure how to describe it, but, like, unpredictable, maybe. More kinetic, maybe? Yeah. That's a Even good though word. The, the bosses are still pretty pattern, pattern, pattern. I, I like patterned bosses in 2D games, though. I'm totally fine with those. But it's not like Volgar. In Volgar, where, like, you throw the spear and you're, like, locked into that animation for a whole second. Like, right, right. That game is all about commitment. Yeah. it was. It's very similar to Dark Souls, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Oh, I would I think more like the old Castlevanias. <laughs> we can save Dark Souls for another time. That's a yeah. whole, whole other. But when John plays Dark Souls, we will have that conversation. Yes. So when John plays Dark Souls in episode fifty of the podcast, yeah. <laughs> and when he's, I'll just need to get to. Let's see, only a few games first. Yeah, that's what you said all summer. Yeah. Yeah. So, is he going to be the completionist and have to play Demon Souls before he starts Dark Souls? Oh, don't do it. Skip it. D- yeah, skip it. Don't yeah, I think Souls I'm first. fine just skipping that. Don't, don't. Just dark. I played a good chunk of. I played the first couple levels of Demon Souls and always got stuck on the like five times and always got stuck on the second boss. If, played- I'm sure if I really dedicated myself, I could have beaten it, but it just I always just kind of lost, fell away from it. Have you played the start of Tower of Latria? No, I haven't. Like oh. You can play that one and then skip the rest of the game. Yeah, the Tower of Latria 3-1 is basically the best area in the game. It's, it's the best it's area gotcha. in the series. Like, Wow, that's pretty... That's yeah, Well, okay, okay, okay. Let's table that Dark Souls, <laughs> Demon Souls discussion for now. Let's table that. And let's get on to anything else you've been playing, Rhett. Uh, I played a little game we talked about last week called Sonic CD. I'm rage quitting this podcast. Fuck it. <laughs> Best Sonic ever, or best Sonic ever? It's not the best Sonic ever. It's it's a strange game. Is it the best Sonic on a CD ever? Um, no, because um, it's competing with Sonic Generations and Sonic yeah. Colors. Well, I don't have Sonic Generations on CD. I have it on digital download. So, you know, and if you if you really want to get technical, Sonic CD would, or Sonic Generations would be on a DVD. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> 
So if it's compared to the Dreamcast games... And if you really want to get technical, the Dreamcast games are on a GD-ROM. Yeah, but you can pirate them to a CD. <laughs> yeah, you can. I'm sure most of us have. What are you talking about? I mean, I mean about? no, we legally Never. these games. I legally I, honest, acquired... <laughs> I didn't do any Dreamcast piracy until years, years later after the system was done. But I remember seeing a friend in college with, like, you know, the stereotypical binder of, like, every game and being like, oh, my God, what the fuck are you doing? I knew it was bad, like, a week or two after the Dreamcast came out and I had a PC repair class and some kid came in with, like, a whole fucking binder full of oh Dreamcast. A week? Like, I th- it was a Jeez. week or two afterward. It was not very long after the release. I know that. Mine was, like, summer 2000 when I'm like, oh, fuck, piracy, huh? <laughs> it's a thing now. I'm just like, I don't care about piracy. I got Fantasy Star Online. There you go. It's the only not- thing we need. I have Fantasy Star Online and Grandia 2. This will last me quite a while. So, yeah, Sonic CD. <laughs> I don't know. There's something to be said for weird... <laughs> like Sonic CD. Wait, wait. Are you actually making that sound with your mouth? Yes. I had to breathe. I thought... Yeah, I heard you breathe. I'm like, I thought that was just a iPhone program you were playing into the microphone. <laughs> I was going to pretend barf, but then I would direct my vocal cords for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to do that. So Sonic CD, whatever. That's a so. Thing. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, we're God. gonna go. We're gonna we do got, this. Do we have to go here? Yes. All right. Reed is so. creating a bad future for us all. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> all right, go. So here's how I would categorize Sonic CD. It's the Majora's Mask of Sonic games. It's a game where what? <laughs> like, are you what? saying are you saying that it is vastly underrated? No, no, no. I wouldn't say that. I think it's probably. I think you're saying that Majora's Mask is really shitty. <laughs> wow. Well, maybe. Well, now I'm just sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying where it's like. Majora's Mask, it's a Zelda game, and then at certain times you get to interact with this cool time travel game that's kind of in there as well, where you're talking to villagers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sonic CD is a Sonic game where they kind of grafted this time travel aspect onto, and they don't kind of get along perfectly well. But I think Because they're... the level design doesn't give you any chance to get any speed. It's there to purposely fuck you over. So that's the thing. That's so... the challenge of it. So that's kind of one of my problems with the game, but it's hard to explain. So I've always kind of talked about how the real way to play that game is to go to the past and destroy the thing and then go to the good future and, like, do all the time travel stuff instead of just running to the end of the level. Uh Yeah, if you do that, then it's boring. Because when it came out on Steam, I bought it, and then I ran to the end of every level, and I beat it in, like, under an hour, and I'm like, well, that sucked. So I really tried to actually, like, take my time and do the time travel and play it right, air quotes, and it's a very different game. It's really kind of weird. And the one thing I really notice is that you don't want to go fast in that game, and that's so anti-Sonic, and it is kind of strange. Well, let's it's look at well, Sonic let's, One, though. Yeah, let's look at Sonic One, where the Green Hill Zone is largely a fast area, but then you hit Marble Zone, and then um, the the Spring Yard, I think it is, and then the underwater level, and and everything starts <laughs> slowing down. So it sounds like I don't I like. 
maybe the first area of Sonic CD is fairly fast. I don't remember it being so, but it sounds like it's really just picking up where Sonic 1 left off logically at just being a slow platformer. Well, well, what you're describing with um, taking your time, going to the different um, mm-hmm. past futures and all that sounds makes it sound a little bit more like an Echo the Dolphin game, but <laughs> it's Sonic. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of is, because it's like... It's meant to be like this open exploration based platform. Yeah, that's where it makes sense. But then it's a Sonic game, and Sonic doesn't really work for that. So that's why it just kind of feels like they grafted this on. It doesn't quite work. And Polly's right, where it's kind of a natural s- sequel to Sonic 1 specifically. Spe- even the level design, like the first area is Green Hill Zone, and then the next area is the pinball area, and then the next one is the water area. And then they kind of go off a bit. And then the last two are like mirrors of Starlight Zone and Scrap Base Zone or Scrap Brain, whatever it is. Do you think it'd be better if they didn't let you just run through the levels? If you they forced I, you to engage I, with this stuff? I honestly do. That was one of the things I was thinking about where I thought the end of the levels should only be in the future. That would be one way to make you have to. Yeah. Because actually like, do a little bit of time travel. Because if you play it like a Sonic game, it's bad. There's no yeah, no bad. moving around. It's a bad, boring game. Maybe if you engage with all this time travel exploration stuff, there's something kind of interesting there. So if it's, it, if it you accept that, then the fault is that it lets you play this yeah. bad, boring version of the game. I think that is one of the bigger faults. And the thing I noticed was, so I'm going to each level, like specifically trying to get to the past. And the one thing you notice when you try to do that is that like half the signposts are telling you to go to the future. And then the problem because becomes if you accidentally hit one of them, and then if you start going fast, you'll go to the future, and that's exactly what you don't want to do. Right. So then it's like, now I've got to slow down, and that's not something a Sonic game should be making you do. So well, I, almost, I guess that's debatable. Like The first game, like I said, is just basically a slow platformer for most of it, and I think Sonic 1 is a good game. I like it a lot. I think so- I think Sonic 1 is a good game if you don't go into it thinking that, oh, hey, Sonic the Hedgehog's super fast. Because, you know, they obviously got the speed stuff much better in Sonic 2. I think that those that game's stages were way better yeah. laid out and made use of speed and slow platforming. And Sonic 3 and Knuckles just completely blew that everything out of the water. Yeah, it's like Sonic 2 and 3 went in a totally different direction from the first game in CD. Yeah, they're a very, they're a very different game. They like, like, Sonic 2 was like... Yeah, playing them back-to-back, it feels transformative, like they were just going in a very different approach. Yeah. So like they I took can, the that's why I understand when people say that they like Sonic 1 more, because it's such a different game that I can appreciate liking that kind of experience more than the other kinds of experiences. I'd never really thought about it that way until recently, and it's like, yeah, you know... There are those two games that kind of cater to that play style. Um, yeah. and, I, and I can appreciate that, even if I, they're not my favorite. I feel like in order to enjoy um, Sonic 1 in that way, like the slower, more methodical platforming and exploration, uh, that it would need tighter controls than the you know acceleration-based um, Sonic archetype. Yeah, I think yeah. you've got a point there, too. Yeah. Uh, the moment it feels a little bit clunky. The momentum stuff is definitely, like, a huge tech thing at the time. They really wanted that in there. Um, but it, it just did not work for Sonic 1 and CD at all. Well, the thing with I Sonic think the momentum is- stuff is important. It's kind of is what gives that first game its identity a little bit. Right. It's just maybe it could be refined, refined more. 
for me, Sonic 1 was always just you play through Green Hill Zone and then you hit Marble Zone and it's just like, oh, I don't want to do this, and then you stop. <laughs> I, I still play through it's, Sonic it's, 1. It's, I play through Sonic 1 only to enjoy the music. <laughs> yeah, the That's music's fair. good. But it's just so weird There's when so you go from this. Death traps too. It's really, it really does try to screw you over in some pretty unfair ways. Oh, especially when you get to the Labyrinth Zone. Yeah. Oh, that Every, cool. Everything in the Labyrinth Zone is just, hey, we're going to screw you. We're going to screw you. I mean, even the and boss. The last level is like Labyrinth Zone. Like you have this whole death thing and then it just oh, is like, last level is recolored Labyrinth Zone and it just, just feels really unfinished. What is with that anyways? Yeah, it's just like. I think they. I think it was just unfinished. I think they didn't have time to make a new tile set. Yeah, the game only has six zones in it. It's fairly short um, when you when you put it up, especially against Sonic Two and Three. Um, I think Sonic CD has what six zones as well, or five. Uh, yeah, it also, is really short oh, if you don't engage with the exploration stuff. I think it's seven actually. Ah, uh. because it's basically a remake of Sonic One, but there's no Marble Zone. Gotcha. But then they add in Quartz Quadrant and Wacky Workbench. Oh, and Wacky the, uh, Workbench, and don't and the race. Well, the race is kind of part of the Stardust Speedway. Yeah. Is that is that uh, does that have more levels to it? Okay, but uh, where was I? So yeah, I'm, uh, totally lost my train of thought. Sonic, you were on CD. Sonic CD, and you were enjoying so, it, and you were engaging with the exploration stuff. Yeah, maybe not enjoying it, but so, you were enjoying the. Uh, I was enjoying it a fair bit, but some of the levels. So that's the thing. So, so like the first couple worlds, they work fine. Like you go to the past, and then if you want you can go to the good future that you've created once you've done the stuff in the past. And that's why I kind of think it would make sense if you had to exit the levels through the future because technically you can you can never go to the future in that game unless, except for Act 3. Because all you have to do really is go to the past, hit the machine, and then exit the level. But just for the sake of seeing it, I want to go to the good futures and see those for the first time. And they're really pretty. It's a really pretty game. I really like the art in that game. I've only done it once in the first zone. It's not worth the effort to do it more. <laughs> yeah, because it's I, like... I think I am going to appreciate the art style a little bit. The art is like the one thing I will absolutely defend this game. To yeah, I, I, I will definitely agree with you. I, I definitely prefer those early Sonic games where there was a more abstract, angular quality to the art. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how consistent it is, but there's definitely something to the way they use color, especially in the future areas where the bad futures are this like dingy brown. Oh, they're so. Gray. It's a great contrast. It's a great contrast. And then the good futures are just like pastel blue and white and silver. It's just, it's really funny playing through like the good future version of the last level, and it's like spikes and pounders and conveyor belts. But it's this like cute little utopia in the background, like. I almost think the good futures shouldn't have had any any enemies in them. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. But they still do for some reason. Oh. And it doesn't like change the Robotnik fights. Hmm. Weird. Which that is feels kind of incomplete. Yeah. Okay. I think so, I I think I'm learning to look at that game as more of an incomplete vision than just a shitty shot Sonic game. I'm not, I'm not sure if I would call it incomplete, but kind of flawed definitely i'm still gonna look at it as shit coming yeah. out of a butthole <laughs> because just i i will wrap this up because i know we're going on a lot about a very old game but a game that nobody fucking likes <laughs> some of the levels like the water level just do not work with the time travel because there's just no way to get up speed right so it's like they just have to deliberately put two springs facing each other so that you have one spot in the entire level where you can actually get enough speed mm-hmm and then there's Wacky Workbench, which is just a fucking clusterfuck. 
the one funny thing about Wacky Workbench, though, is that once you get to the good future, it turns into, like, a kid's playhouse kind of motif. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's so pretty it's cute. like you feel better about bouncing around because it literally turns into a bouncy house. So I guess that's it for Sonic CD. I did play one more thing, which is Toho 14.3 Impossible Spell Card. Uh-huh. Have, have this any is, of you guys is that a I have, game? I have seen it being played, and it sort of reminds me a lot of uh, Shoot the Bullet and Double Spoiler. So that's, yeah, it's similar to those. It's not a fighting game, John. It's one of the traditional shoot-em-ups. Well, as traditional as this game can be, I guess, yeah. because it's totally, yeah. it's not the point of going through levels and finishing them. It's yeah, so it the one-on-one like aesthetic. Ice freezing one, where you play as Circle Nine. Freeze the bullet. That's it. Yeah. That's not actually what it's called, but yeah. But, uh, so... It's hard to explain these to someone who's never played them. So it's like you have a shoot 'em up normally, and the goal is to beat the game in one sitting, so like half an hour. And then for Toho, you had what were called the photography games, where it's these micro levels that are like 30 seconds to a minute long. And they're usually just you against a boss from the series and bullets everywhere. Yeah, they're and like ultra hard but ultra short levels. And, and they're really satisfying when you pull them off, too. Yeah, but like shoot the bullet took me like five years to beat or something. I never beat Shoot the Bullet. I got really close to getting to the end of Double Spoiler and those Reimu fights, those Reimu cards. Just that, Those games out. are butt hard. Those drove me insane. But that they are hard in a good way. Yeah. It's predictable. It's not just a random clusterfuck, and it's something that you can easily train yourself to do. But uh, I, I guess we're getting a little sidetracked. We'll let you get back to uh, Impossible Spell Card. Yeah, but I did want to explain what those games were. They're kind of like the super meat boy of shoot 'em ups, where it's just these, these short levels that you just play over and over and over like a hundred times till you get it once. Mm-hmm. So Inspe- Impossible Spell Card is kind of in that same vein, but the real gimmick here is that the bosses are using patterns that are theoretically impossible. And you have cheat items that can let you beat them. Some examples. So, some, one of the So the first one you start with is, like, a cloth that will make you invincible for, like, a second and a half. Mm-hmm. So, like, the boss will shoot out, like, a, a solid wave of bullets or something. You just press that button and, oh, you blink through it. And then the other two you start with are, one of them is, like, an umbrella that, allow you, that allows you to, like, warp between the borders of the level. Like, if you're on the very left, you can pour it over to the very right. Somebody, yeah, that's that was in um, Subterranean Animism, was it? Yeah, that w- that's Yukari's power. That's yeah. why it's an umbrella. Yeah. And oh, then the, the one third- that can swap between the sides? Yeah, I use that a lot. Yeah. So that's one of the cheat I- items in this. And the third one you start with is just the camera from Shoot the Bullet. Except you don't have to charge it anymore. Oh, sweet. Except you only have, like, five uses. Oh, yeah. Mm. Huh, that could so be... A- so yeah, all these cheat items have limited uses, so... Oh man, I could talk about this game for a while, because it's really weird. But then, so as you progress through the game, you actually unlock more cheat items, and I'm not going to talk about all of them, but some of them, they start to feel a bit lazy. Like, one of them is just, like, eight seconds of invincibility. Oh yeah, that's... And then one of them is, like, a screen-clearing bomb. Yeah, eight seconds then... of invincibility kind of, like, feels like it defeats the whole purpose of the game, really. I mean, it's not, it's not enough to, like, be so good that you can just sit on every boss and win it's not really as long as you'd think Mm -hmm. because as soon as it ends you die because the bullets are impossible to dodge and then what else is there 
like screen clearing bombs. One of, one of them is just like you can take three extra hits. Oh, geez. which is just like oh wow, that's really stupid. So like some of the later cards, it's just like I'm gonna sit here and try to actually manually dodge it. As long as I don't get hit like five times or something, <laughs> I'll win it. Did Zune make this? Yeah, this is an official Zune game. This okay. is the latest one. Okay, but I've I've seen everything. I've gotten to like level 10 or whatever the final one is and i just not really feeling it that much because it's like by the end you see these attacks and you're just like well that's impossible but then you've got to figure out like which of the nine items is it designed for to so be it's, it's less of a reliance on skill even though i know that there's probably still skill involved once yeah. you either get rid of the bullets or something whatever you're doing with the bullets with that item but it's less satisfying than figuring your way out through a pattern like in mm-hmm. double spoiler to get close enough to the boss to take you know, to take your screenshot it yeah. sounds like the kind of game that somebody would make a clone of on iOS and have in-app <laughs> purchases for cheat oh items. God. Oh, yeah. wow. That's... Yeah, it feels really weird, because like, there's even weird mechanics of, like, the more scenes you beat with an item, it levels up. Oh. So, like, the camera starts with five shots when you start, and eventually it can level up to have seven shots, which might be needed for some of the later stuff. It's really weird. Yeah, this the, is very strange. It's reliance, a very strange game. I mean, it's 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 a fucking bold design choice for that series, I think, and it's oh. definitely refreshing like the, you know, like Double Spoiler was and Shoot the Bullet, but wow, uh, just the reliance on items just feels like it's something I wouldn't quite enjoy as much because there's not as much skill involved. Yeah. It sounds a little it reminds me a little like Newgrounds games where you kind of level up in between each level and then like kind of i don't know maybe that i'm sure that's not a fair comparison but the leveling isn't really that overplayed okay, it's just good. like it's it's something not, like, i didn't notice was in the there point. i just happened to read about it on the wiki because you know the game's in japanese so i have to do a little research like what the hell are these items actually doing because mm-hmm. then it's like you can equip sub items by the end of the game so it's like you've got nine possible main weapons and then nine possible sub weapons it's just like there's a lot of combinations and i don't know which is the best and again for... theoretically you know that's sort of the transistor thing where you have all of these abilities oh, yeah. and you can combine them you know and you've got a lot of options but ultimately you know things are either overpowered or they don't quite gel together the way you think they should kind of yeah or they just mm. completely wreck the game there's definitely some cards. There's one ability I forgot to mention where it causes aim. You put down a decoy, and any aimed bullets will be shot at that instead. Oh wow! Oh, and it lasts cool. like 20 seconds, and you can use it more than once. That's pretty ridiculous. So like, that's pretty interesting. That they sound like they mess with the Toho dynamics in some really interesting ways. I mean, at least, like yeah, that sounds that, more clever than just being invincible for 10 seconds or whatever. That one is funny, except that it totally breaks like almost every card that relies on aimed bullets. Uh-huh. Where it's like you just put it at the like the top left corner at the start, and then you sit under the boss, and then you win. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's just like every attack either feels Im- completely impossible, and I have no idea how to beat it yet, or you just completely break it with some weapon. Yeah. So I've only got like a couple scenes left, like maybe under ten. But I don't really feel like figuring out the last few. Oh, so they're separate? They're not, like, in level form? It's more, like, double spoiler? Oh, yeah, it's exactly like double spoiler. Okay. You've got, like, the ten... You've got ten days worth of levels that have, like, six scenes each. 
That sounds kind of interesting. Maybe like in a Bangayo Spirits sort of way, where you're just messing around and... So it's basically a puzzle game. Almost. Almost, yeah. But I think I just preferred, like, the brutal difficulty of shoot the bullet and the double spoiler, where it's like, you're going in with this camera, and that's how you have to beat the level. And there's no Uh fussing around with, like, oh, let me try this item, let me try this item now, and just... You mm-hmm. see these attacks, and you, they just look impossible at first. Like a, bo- like, a boss is doing three things at once when normally they'd only be doing one. It's like, I don't know how to dodge that in any way possible. Like, you're out of your mind game. Mm-hmm. So it's really just the, the over-reliance on items. If, that's, yeah. if that doesn't hook mm-hmm. you... Well, then... it seems like items are the point. Yeah. I mean, well, and then... So the final caveat I'll mention is that there is an achievement for beating the game without using any items. What? I will never be the person to try this, but I will be the one to watch the YouTube video of somebody doing it. I saw... I think Gesh86 could do it. (laughs) No. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Gesh. I looked up one video of... There was this one attack I just couldn't figure out, like, how the hell are you supposed to dodge that because it just goes completely berserk, and then the answer was to just use the eight-second invincibility and sit on top of it at one point. That's dumb. But then... There was a time attack, or not a time attack, a tool-assisted run of somebody dodging it. And it's like, well, no human is going to do that. Like, these perfect frame dodges. Yeah. Left and right. So so you think the achievement's in there just to take the piss? I guess so. It's weird. Because, like, the first few levels, you can do it relatively easily. And then, because the game keeps track of every item that you beat a scene with. So if you want, you could beat every every scene with every item. So that's like nine times whatever. Uh huh. I guess it's something cool. that would keep you busy. Oh, it can definitely keep you, know, you if busy. You, if you're the kind of person that wanted to beat every scene with every item, you know, especially the, if the kind game's... of person that 100% Mega Man powered up. <laughs> but then if you beat it without using any main items, it just unlocks all the sub-items. Oh. It just goes, oh, you did everything. If oh, you can beat well, it with then... nothing, you can beat it with everything. But then the very last few levels just seem like there is one item that works for this and nothing else works. Right. So it's like, I don't even Which know Which just why. seems less interesting. Yeah. Like Bangayo Spirits, every map you can kind of approach in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, see, I think I liked the middle of this game the most where you had some of the items and a lot of the cards seem like there was one, there wasn't just one way to beat it. Like, you could figure out like three or four ways to beat through it. So, like, the, then, the game has too many items. It uh, definitely has too many items. There's and nine, if and there's... If the game yeah. had just focused on developing, like, a core three to five items that you just had from the outset... Yeah, I think that would have been a lot better. Uh, maybe kind of like Radiant Silver Gun with its set of basic items, ba- like, seven diff- seven weapons that you have in the beginning, and you're just... Every challenge you can approach with all of those weapons. Right. Yeah. I okay. think it would have been really, really difficult to design this game so that every item worked on every attack, though. Yeah. Uh, but. You would have to, like, create... I mean, my guess is you would probably just have to create, like, var- variances of the spell cards for yeah, every... Yeah, they'd have to change or something. Yeah. Because, like, there's a Reimu one that just allows you to teleport anywhere on the screen. Oh, uh, yeah. You would have to, like, just change the attacks entirely if you were going to go that route. Yeah. So, I think I've ranted long enough. We'll move on to... What John has been playing lately? What you been doing, John? <gasps> what you been playing? What have I been doing? I made a game for Ludum Dare. Yes, you did. 
I think it's Ludum Dare. I've heard uh, one of the organizers at the event call it Ludum Dare, so... Really? On, uh, there was an episode of Sup Holmes where the guy pronounced it Ludum Dare, so... Well, I made a game for Double Dare, and <laughs> I made it in three days, and it was really cool, and it was super cute, and I was really liked how it came out. It was called Ants, A Love Story. And tell us a bit about it. Like, what is it? Okay, it's a block-pushing, explory-type puzzle thing where you trade items to get ice cream for your partner and you're just walking around this wide open world engaging with this complex trade system like it's Skyrim. sort of like it's sort of like echo the dolphin meets simant <laughs> meets dark souls sort of meets, like echo, meets skyrim meets dark souls it's the big round sword quest from ocarina of time big yeah. iron sword what? actually big iron basically just that is that what it's called? It's not Big Ron Sword. <laughs> I thought it was for 20 years. Big Ron years. Jeremy Sword. God, you idiot. <laughs> 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 Big Ron oh, yeah. Sword. Big Ron Sword. I want everybody on this oh, no. pod. I want everybody that's listening to this podcast, when you hear it, I want you to go on Twitter immediately and at Brett, God Big Ron it. Sword, Big Ron Sword, and just keep typing it over and over and over. I hate you. Yeah, it's that quest, and that's the entire game, and it's Wait, so cute. no, 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 no. I'm looking it up now. B-I-G-G-O-R-O-N. Big Goron. It's not Sam. Big Iron. Who cares? It's still not Big Ron, you idiot. <laughs> it's Big Goron. That's closer well, you're than wrong Big too, Iron. Though. Big Ron. You're both wrong. Big Ron. I'm not wrong. I knew it was Big Goron. Why didn't you correct Polly, then? Well, I'm not going to correct Polly. He doesn't want a tire iron up the side of his head. <laughs> the so tire John, iron sword. So, John, what else you been getting up to, bud? Working with Polly on the Ruin Jam. Holy shit, yes, we are... I guess I will sort of interject here and get a, a small be, a small bitty sure piece thing. about what so I've been doing as well, because I've been learning Game Maker. Uh, and it's all thanks to John. And I wanted to start learning Game Maker spe- specifically for the purpose of participating in Ruin Jam. Uh, I had originally thought about doing the Twine game, maybe, but I just sort of liked the idea of every. You know, I'd seen him playing with Game Maker so much lately that I thought, I th- you know, I want to get into try to actually make a game. So, you know, I spent about a week or so before we started on this project doing a couple of projects of my own. I did like this really simple shmup thing where you just kill a bunch of big. Vic Vipers and stuff, and it was just to sort of get, you know, and that was just using the drag-and-drop interface. There was not a single uh, line of code written in that. And then, uh, over the course of about 12 hours, I uh, coded from the ground up using actual GML. I did a Flappy Bird clone called uh, Happy Moose, um, which I'll link to in show notes. And it's super badass. That I never make. I never make show notes, so I don't know why I mentioned them, but uh, yeah, um, it's... uh, a super easy to learn program uh, if you've got experience making games or not. Uh, and GML seems really flexible in what you can get the engine to do. But you know, I made a pretty damn convincing Flappy Bird game in about twelve hours, and it's actually fun. So go play it. Um, Woo! But and you get him uh, to explode into blood when you fail. Yes, <laughs> and he screams, "Oh no!" Yes, the really voice cute. acting. And I, I did, I did all the voice acting and sound effects myself. Um, but, uh, yes, me and John are working on a, a, a cute little game that I don't want to give away the specifics of right now, because I'd rather wait until, you know, we've got it more solid and more finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we're still fiddling around with a lot of the core what stuff. What type, 
What type of game is it going to be? It is an exploring... 2D platformer? It's a 2D platformer. We'll, okay, just, we'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. So there will be jumping. There will be jumping, and there will be exploring. There will be blood. There, there will be exploring, and there's probably going to be a fart. Okay. Probably. Uh, when, but it's really jam. the game. But to go over it, what Ruin Jam is, is that it's uh, uh, myself, John, and our co-conspirators in the Ruin Jam itself. Our, our basic uh, idea is to ruin games with games that are not games, or games that do not qualify as games, or games that offer things like equal representation, or don't offer you know the same kind of sexist bullshit you find in a lot of normal games. So that's basically what the Ruin Jam is, and me and John are working together, and I'm having a really great time both learning from him and uh, just like the, watching this idea come together. And it, it's going to be so rad when we mm-hmm. finish it. Uh, I'm, I didn't I didn't mean to hijack your segment there, John. Oh you no problem at all. Please continue. Uh, I also started classes, which is super fun because I'm doing a bunch of programming and stuff, and that's rad. Um, Anna and I finished Persona 4. Um, ish. Ish. <laughs> we got to um, the uh, – we beat the murderer and then we beat God and that was great. And um, and the true ending to that game really is kind of tacked on, isn't it? Yeah, I was not the biggest fan of the true ending for that game. Like the, the final whole dungeon and everything, it just – I don't oh, know why it was... such a slog at that point. It, yeah, I, like, I remember the first time I was playing through it, I, I reached the point where I beat what I considered to be the end of the game, and then there's this whole other month, you know, to go afterward, and it just felt like a slog. The atmosphere, they nailed the atmosphere of that part of the game. Yeah, that's great. Definitely. That is fantastic, but just the part where I have to play it and the part where there's this entire section of story that isn't really needed... Yeah, it's... Com- it- the the ending of that game because it's a JRPG is that there's a there's God and God says that he's gonna destroy everything and then you prove to him the worth of human human spirit and he goes away and then the true ending is that there's a different God who comes in and says I might destroy the world eventually I was behind that other God you fought is a part of me. A subset of me. <laughs> so it pulls a neck. So it's like the twist is that it was God all the time, and then the second twist is that there's another God behind God, and it's it's like it, Boner said, it pulls a Necron. Uh, well, it, it pulls a Necron on the Necron. Yeah, it's yeah. like Nec the Nec you beat Necron, and then Necron to Necronimus comes out and says, "Aha, Necron was only a tiny piece of me." It, it was some Necron on Necron action. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I actually really like the final the final boss of the seventh dungeon. I feel like it works well. I feel like that god god of fog. It feels appropriate to Persona Four themes, reaching out to the truth. Yeah, they, and they did I, I all they, that worked. They did all they needed to do in that quote unquote final dungeon before exactly. the Exactly. Yeah. They didn't need to ram home the God thing, the Okami, the shit the just, hey, this is a Shin Megami Tensei yeah, king still. It feels it felt thrown in there just because it's like this is Shin Megami Tensei. That's the only reason it's in there. And it's, it is kind yeah. of the series MO though. I mean Nocturne kind of does the same thing depending on yeah, which ending I'm you get. O- like I said, I'm okay with God being next to uh, next to the murderer and everything, but the murderer is the actual thing you care about. 
It's yeah. you 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 beat that guy and then you fight and then God comes out and you and God is there as like a coda as a thematic explanation of what this game is about, what it values in humanity, its worldview. It's a very just a kind of a literalization of all the themes. It's so tedious. Be- it's pointless because the game does a good enough job of pointing those things out throughout its entire eighty hour runtime. Uh-huh. But at least with the regular final boss, it's just over – that part is over in five minutes. You do all the talking and then you do the really impressive looking final boss and then it's over. The god part is done. But then they stretch it out for like another five hours. Yeah. And that's when it grows tedious to me. I'm okay with that plot turn in the main game even though the murderer is the actual interesting part. Yeah. Because, because the I whole feel game like had like a – the whole game had a more homey atmosphere. You know, it's a uh-huh. smaller town. It's not, the stakes are, yes, there's a murder, but the stakes aren't, the world's going to end like in Persona 2 or Persona 3. At yeah. least not until all this other stuff gets yanked out of um, an, a bud somewhere. And that's, yeah, that's exactly. The thing. It's all added in kind of at the end. I really liked Persona 4's sense of place. And the way that it made that place important was the story that it was telling. I feel that it should have wrapped that story up and and done so in a satisfying manner and left it. It didn't need to go existential. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. And like I said, I feel like it wouldn't be a huge problem. It's just... And the true ending, the fact that it's so tucked away and opaque to access almost aggravates things. It's like... This is so you don't want me to know this is here and then it's there so I have to do it. But yeah, it, I don't like it. If you go in blind, there's no way you're going to get that ending. I and just game, I don't The game is basically perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think there's any normal way you're going to get that ending under it. But everybody fucking looked it up because you know that part of the game's there. You don't want to miss it's, out on it's it. It's like going to a comic book movie these days and somebody tells you, make sure you wait till the end credits to see the teaser for Avengers 5 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Except you, the teaser was five hours long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, that that's... Yeah, and you can't le- Yeah, that's the thing they make you do it all in one day. So you have to actually engage with like spending money on the fox and stuff and up until then the game hasn't demanded that much from you and it feels like a a lot to throw on you right before right after everything is already resolved plot-wise. Right. They have like 3 months of like totally empty time where they just like are Oh, nothing happened, everything was fine, and then it's just like, nothing changed? You didn't think about this at all during the last three months, but you have to do it literally today? Seriously? Seriously? That's my fiancé who played the game while I kind of helped along. She is joining, so, yeah. she is joining Boner on the hamper seat, occasionally. <laughs> so yeah, that that's honestly probably my biggest beef with the game. Um, some of the politics maybe are, I wish they had gone a little further with some of the characters, but yeah. Um, and I guess it relies a lot on kind of the, so in mechanizing social relationships like that, there's always going to be a slight creepiness to it of like, I'm just, Oh, there's always creepiness to it. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's always been like that to me. It's like, I, I, I want to see, well, I want to see what, how certain relationships play out. But for the mm-hmm. most part, you get the feeling like the character who is supposed to be a surrogate of the player 
but has literally no personality or really world presence of his own. So it's just like, I'm using these people to increase my power, which yeah. I kind of hoped would be explored in a more thematic sense. But but everybody reacts to him like he's the coolest guy ever, and that mm. kind of sticks. So it's kind of like the game is massaging your ego for a lot exactly. of it. And, and this is all in the context of... This is one of my favorite games, and I think it's really, really elegant and fun and fantastic. But these are just the things that are kind of jumping out right now. And I feel like in mechanizing those relationships is kind of necessary to make them feel related to the dungeon crawling at all. But it also has this creepiness, creepy thematicness to it. I really hope that Persona 5 goes... A lot more deep with its uh, exploration of the social aspects, because I really want, like, you know, if you're going to use social links, why don't we have, like, branching storylines within the social links? Because Persona 4 does a bit of that. Um, I won't say which characters specifically, but there are definitely branches that you can go. But I really wish that there were, like, more consequences to your actions and the things you say, or Mm -hmm. people remember the thing. Like, because... In the main storyline of the game, uh, when you're in, a, like when you're watching a normal cutscene, for instance, like none of this stuff really comes up. None of it's really explored. It's all this own. Like the social aspects are their own separate thing. They exist in another world that is not impacting the main world. So if a character is pissed off at you in their social link, they're not going to be pissed off at you when a time comes for a major event to be happening. They're not going to act differently towards you. I feel yeah, like Mass which, Effect which always 2, feels a little bit weird. I feel like Mass Effect Two kind of started to get towards stuff like that, right. at least with the um, the party member specific missions, um, the loyalty missions. Those were those, great. Th- those can affect what happens in, uh, say, who lives or dies in the suicide mission, things like that, and um, also like yeah, other certain little pieces of dialogue are affected by decisions you made now whether they really matter in the end, that's a whole nother but you know, sack of potatoes. It's personalizing the experience for you, though. That's yes. the thing, is that Mass Effect, even though a lot of the decisions and things that you make throughout those critical moments, or even throughout the whole series, don't really mean Jack Diddley squad in the end, you still had a very personalized experience. You know, I, I went over that in my um, Game of the Year list last year when I talked about Mass Effect 3 and how, even though I found the ending to be... A, a bit lackluster and insubstantial, I still enjoyed what I had created with my character throughout all of that, you know, that's, and I think that's really important, and I think that that's definitely something that I hope Persona continues to explore in the future, mm-hmm. but I don't have a lot of faith in them to do it. I, I like, yeah. I, I do like the PlayStation 2 era Persona games. I think the formula has run its course, Yeah. if you know, I'm not really itching for another one, especially since I just played through Persona 3 Portable, and I'm just kind of sick and tired of it. Yeah, I, do, I don't want I don't want those mechanics to be the same either. It's just like we've already done the school year thing. We've already done social linking the mm-hmm. way that it's being done. There needs to be a different kind of hook because even if you have a really great story and a really great great battle system, you know, since the social aspects tie into those. I, I'm not. Go- I'm not really itching to get back at that kind of gameplay either. Mm-hmm. So I think Persona don't. Four ahead, was important John. because Persona Three had so much room for refinement. Yeah, and, that's, um, that's why Persona Four worked yeah. as well as it did. Yeah, and Persona Four. I feel like there's so much there that it does right that clicks just really, really well. 
And if they're just going to imitate that formula again, I really cannot believe that they will make everything work as well as it works in Persona 4, let alone fix any of my niggling issues with it. And even if they do make it work again, it's still just going to be the same thing, and that's not what I want. I don't uh-huh. want an, I don't want another Persona 3 or Persona 4. I want to be surprised. I want this to be exciting and new and refreshing, mm-hmm. but given given the course of Japanese game development and their tendency to stick with what works, I don't have a lot of faith in them to be able to pull that off. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's Persona 4. I really like it a lot. Um, I'm going to go back and play Nocturne soon, probably. Oh, and um, I'm playing... I finally picked back up Shin Megami Tensei 4, which um, I dropped because I was... because I was really frustrated with a lot of its kind of mechanical inelegances. Uh-huh. It's very quest... It's very quest-based. Uh. And... Uh, it reminds me a lot of Nino Kuni in that sense, which is a game I really love for its aesthetics and characters and place, and then a lot of the outer world stuff just does not work for me at all. And especially since the Shin Megami Tensei games are generally pretty elegantly put together, like Strange Journey, I remember just really everything felt like it had a good purpose. Yeah, Strange Journey was... Uh, Strange Journey, to me, is kind of the Persona 4 of the mainline Shin Megami Tensei series. Mm, yeah, I feel like that's a, probably a pretty solid comparison. I really want to play Nocturne still. I've played uh-huh. a lot of it, and I got to Matador, and he made me very angry. Yeah. Well, I got to the... Th- that was the other thing about Shin Megami Tensei 4, is that I got to the Minotaur, which is the big hard boss that climaxes the first little act of the game before you go through the magical door at the bottom of the world, and oh, it turns into modern-day Tokyo. What a surprise. And then um, the, Mata- the Minotaur is a really hard fight, and I spent like three hours running around, doing some quests, grinding... Um, attacking him over and over again and bear- and dying every time and um, fusing up my personas and the fight itself is really intimidating like aesthetically and it's really built up really well and then it when I finally beat it it was really satisfying and then I got to the next part and you fight the Medusa it has like one screen worth of build up and then it has the same presentation style as the Minotaur fight and I beat it around my first try and then I spent about 10 hours beating every boss on my first try. And it was really disappointing. That'll really suck the wind out of a game like that. Uh, I know. You, if you have this big build-up and climax, and then the rest of the game just kind of falls right on its ass afterward. Exactly. And they, and they introduced the open-world parts at that point. Mm. So now I have to wander around and figure out what to do next by talking to people. When I For the first 10 hours of the game, it's just a straight dungeon crawl. So combined with that, combined with every boss fight being really easy and it just made me completely lose all enthusiasm for the game but I picked it back up after Persona 4 and I started fighting a little more and I got to some tougher boss fights and even with all the inelegances even with the weirdo difficulty curve um, I'm kind of falling back in love with it just for all the mega tenness of it because so I've only beaten Persona 4. That's the only one I've played to completion. So you think you're finally going to finish Shin Megami Tensei 4 then? Yeah, I think I'm going to finish it. I, I, I just said a bunch of negative things about it, but it's still, I think it's still good. I think it's still worthwhile. I hope that the story kind of comes to something satisfactory. Mm. But um, it's a lesser Mega 10 from the ones that I've played. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are other ones you can go to that will 
you'll have a better time with. But since I've sunk enough time into it already and it's still good, I think I'm going to try to see it through. Good, good. Yeah. And last quick thing, I, I played another dungeon in Majora's Mask, and we talked a lot about how that game is put together. I just want to make one point, is that the dungeons in that game I really think are fantastic. I think they're really, really smart, and I really like how they're assembled. So you did the one on the west side, the ocean? Yeah, I did the um, the bay dungeon. Yeah. And it's this weirdo puzzle box, and at the center of it is this spinning water washing machine. <laughs> and you have to switch the spinning so that you can get into different rooms on the side because it's swishing you around, and you just need to catch yourself in these little nooks. Interesting. And because the water is... The, dashing around in water form is actually really fun. I had a lot of fun playing through that dungeon. And it had a cool boss fight, too, that was really kinetic and exciting. It, it's everything I want out of the 3D Zelda dungeons that games like Wind Waker don't really give me. I played... I didn't do a ton of Majora's Mask the last two weeks. I just played through the second dungeon, the ice one. Mm-hmm. And that's the vertical one you mentioned on the last podcast for yeah. anyone listening. Uh, that one's not as fun when you don't have save states. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> I fell to the bottom like five times and was just like, Jesus Christ, I gotta go through all these rooms again. Oh, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Stream. Everybody loves watching people fail at video games, right? I don't think I can stream from my Wii. Oh, it's a bummer. We'll get you a capture card. <laughs> so yeah, I finished that and then it's... I saved at the owl statue because I'm just like, I'm done. I'm done with this game for a bit. Yeah, that sounds pretty fair. So John's continuing his Majora's Mask adventure, and Rhett is calling it quits for a bit. Well, that was pretty much the last two weeks. I, I keep telling myself I'll get back to it. Yeah, I'm going to try to get back to it. I'm going to finish Majora's Mask because I, I think the two best parts of the game, the ending and the on-face side quest, I'm about to get yeah. to those. So I can tell you. I kept telling myself I'd get back to Xenoblade Chronicles, and, well, it's oh, three, th- two and a half years later. That's that game, my... Is that game good? It's all right. It's a JRPG. That's, everyone says it's, like, the best game ever. I play yeah. it, and I'm just kind of like, eh, this is a thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whatever. That game is my Dark Souls, where it's like, I'm afraid to start it because everyone says it's, like, 100 hours long. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super long. I know that. You didn't like the I've last heard... story either, right? I I hated the last story. <laughs> that game sucks so much, but... Maybe I'll play that. It's shorter. It's definitely shorter. I've heard with Xenoblade, like, if you're not feeling it, just ignore the side quests. Yeah, like, I, ha- I had to pry myself... Like, I had to pry my- Yeah, I had to pry myself away from the side quest aspect of it because my OCD was starting to drive me insane. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, 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 like, every that. fucking NPC is like, hey, I got a dumb thing you can do. Hey, come do my dumb thing. And it, yeah, that got annoying. I don't know why games stuff so much stuff into that. It's, easy, con- that. it's easy content to create. Because like King- people demand value for their sixty bucks, they need at least eighty hours of stupid crap. I think it's just a, ma- a, fa- a matter of like all the quests that I run into are like go kill five X things and get a th- it's all MMO shit, and it seems like really easy content to generate, which is why I think they packed so much of it in there. It just it's so inconsequential to the main storyline, though. It's a problem I have with Dragon Age because, I mean, Mass Effect kind of makes you do the same thing a little bit, but at least in Mass Effect, the combat's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and I guess it depends on your taste and things, but I thought planet, you know, planetary, planetary exploration is pretty fun. Yeah, I thought so too. But, I, but I of really course, enjoyed what I played at Mass Effect. But of course, I am also the idiot that really, really liked the the mining mini game uh, in Mass Effect Two. So, yeah, didn't Mass Effect Two really get rid of the random filler missions? Yeah, it's all just. Um, I think that there are some that have you going down onto a planet, but they're still very scripted and staged events that yeah. either aren't very long or they're unique locations. Yeah. So it's still just like, this is an optional stage you can go to. It's not really like Mass Effect 1's copy-and-paste aesthetic. and yeah. With literally two maps for any yeah. like, hidden base you go into. Yeah, That was horrible. Yeah, it was kind of... Fun. I gave up on those pretty damn early. And I think, yeah, that's everything for me. Uh, all that's left is Polly. I So, uh, so Polly... Yes. Tell me about your planets. I have a lot of planets. I have two planets uh, for this podcast. Oh, really? Yes. Um, the first planet we're going to visit is a planet that I think Boner has been to as well. It's a great little planet called Freedom Planet. Uh, uh, yes, that is a, that is indeed a planet I've been to. It is great. <laughs> is it not? It's a, it is. It is a... I don't know how this game isn't getting any kind of attention or even when it was released i never saw much about it uh it was you know a pretty successful kickstarter project um and what it is is it's basically what if treasure made a sonic game and it is everything that you think that would entail um it's got it's a great sense of speed it's you know as a word we've continued to use this episode now kinetic it is very kinetic but it's also got like uh, the combat is fun to engage with and the speed isn't necessarily the main draw of the game but it's still there the enemy designs are really smart the bosses uh, aside from maybe one that's really like the last boss of that game can go suck a butt um but oh, there's oh, there's more than one how many characters have you finished it with uh two okay I finished it with two characters. Um, I enjoyed the two characters that I finished it with. <laughs> um, uh, the third character, uh, I'm probably not going to bother. Yeah, I would say don't. We're pro- yeah, and and I just want to say that like the character designs for this game are so dumb because the main character is supposed to be a dragon, but she looks like a cat. And then, like her best, her best friend is supposed to be a cat, but she looks like a lizard. <laughs> and then the dog is the only character that looks like a dog. That's but she really also kind of looks like a bunny. Yeah, she, it's it's yeah because she's got big floppy ears and shit. So yeah, can I ask something? Sure. How are the characters different, and why does this third one suck? Okay, the characters are different in that they have different abilities. Like um, Lilac, uh, she is the main character you'll probably start as. She is the purple cat dragon thing, and she has this like the ability to like bounce off of walls when you it's, charge it's up. It's like Rocket Knight. Yeah, she's it, her. Oh. Yeah, her special is very much like Rocket Knight Adventures. It allows that you sucks. to like boost through enemies without taking damage and thing. It's really fun to do, and it feels really satisfying when you blow up a shit ton of things with it. Um, uh, what's the other girl's name? I, Carol. Uh, Carol's, um, she's, she's got a motorbike, and she kicks things. That's kind of fun. She she seems like... Okay, so my comparison was she's like the knuckles of the game. Yeah. She's not quite as mobile as Lilac, but 
she's got such an odd mashup of like little abilities and play styles. Like she does this Mega Man X wall jump, but her move that uses the meter is this Chun Li lightning kick thing. And and then of course there's the motorcycle, which is a an item that's unique to her that lets her ride straight up walls. And it's great. It looks it's, fucking it great. And I it was feels grinning great. the whole time I played I, that when the demo came out last year. I, I did not give a fuck if I didn't really like playing her as much, but anytime I got the fucking motorbike, I was just like, I'm fucking driving up and down fucking everything. I don't give a shit. This is the bomb. Um, and Milia is the third character, and I do not quite understand her at all. Boner, you want to help us here? So the best comparison I can make is that she's kind of like Klonoa. Except, instead of picking up enemies and throwing them, she has a shield that she can generate, and also she can magically generate a big ball of gelatinous crap that she can throw throw at people. But if you generate the gelatinous ball and then use the shield, it does this super shield attack, which just shoots out like a big linear... Um, spike that only goes about a quarter of the screen. Uh-huh. Um, this seems to be her only useful method of dispatching bosses, and I got to the um, the third stage boss, the big Gunstar Heroes-looking Golden Lion thing, Yeah, and I was expected to fight that just with that ability, and um, I was like, okay, screw this. this. This isn't happening with this character. It's like, I can thrash this with the other two characters. This is the most tedious thing ever. If there's a better way to beat it, um, somebody please let me know. Yeah, um, I, I don't like Milia much at all. Uh, her play style, like you said, it's very limited. I, I don't think the game really feels built for her in mind. Uh, I think is the main problem, but no, the the unique level to her that the game starts out with just feels like one of the more rushed. It feels like a beta level. Or yeah, something. yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to play a better Sonic game than the bullshit Rhett's playing, <laughs> you definitely have to play Freedom Planet. I said, like I said, I can't understand how this game didn't get quite as much buzz as it has. It's you know, weird how it just kind of came. It popped out, and it's sort of like Pit in that way, in that it came out. And, like, I didn't hear anything. And I didn't even know it was out until I saw Boner playing it. Yeah, there was very little announcement or anything other than word of mouth or people who already cared about the game. And the, the, the release date got pushed back, like, four times. So that can't have helped matters at all. Yeah, but you, you usually, you know, hear about, like, Kickstarter successes like that coming out some way. But it was it was probably a week or two afterward before I started seeing reviews for it. Um, so I'm not really sure how nobody picked up on that, but is it's a great looking game. And the uh, production values are phenomenal. It's got a great uh, voice acted um, cutscenes, and the the graphics are just spot on. A mid '90s Sega Genesis game. Um, it's got a phenomenal soundtrack. It's, I, I can't praise the production values of this game enough. I think the story is stupid. Uh, the, like the, the voice but acting, it's, it's so well. Well acted with such enthusiasm for how stupid it I'm go- is. It's I'm like going. A Saturday morning cartoon. I'm going to give a shout out to Edwin Tiong and Sean Chiplock, who are good friends of me and Rhett. Yeah. Um. They hey did. Guys. They did. They did a couple of voices in the game, and you know, I, I think that the quality of voice acting is good. It's just the words that they had to say <laughs> are fucking dumb. And it just like and it it goes about its humor in all the most obvious and really bad ways. Like it's not even good Saturday morning cartoon humor. It's, it's just 
uh, it's like one of the characters is an alien, and then like the joke somebody makes later is the whole joke is, well, it's a good thing you're not an alien then. Wah, wah, wah. Like, oh, that's, Lord. What? that's the extent of your humor. Is there's it, it, an... it really does skew to like the pre twelve year old. <laughs> it's weird for a game that seems like it's nostalgia based to be aiming for such a low audience, like us kids. I don't know. Yeah. It's, like, it's going for a Genesis nostalgia thing. People who played the Genesis are, like, 30 by now. Right, right. But, you know, to get to my point, that is definitely a game people need to check out. It's 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 solid pretty much all the way through. I mean, if you... you know, I mean, hey, maybe you can play Milia better than me and Boner can because we suck at games. But playing through as Lilac and Carol was just... A, I had a fucking blast. Um, the way that, you know, like I said, again, the combat feels really good. Uh, the way they said the bosses are really smart uh, in how they're set up for those first two characters. I, I, I can't, you know, I can't praise it enough. It, the it, exploration through the stages is so satisfying, too, because your characters don't have that weird momentum that the, um, the Genesis Sonic games have. You've, the speed is an important part of it, and you can achieve really good speed throughout the game. You could blaze through the levels and speedrun them if you want. But you have such precision of movement that if you want to go exploring, um, the game's not going to hamper you by making it really clunky to control. And, and it that just makes it that much more satisfying. And it doesn't penalize you. you know, yes. even, th- even though you were timed and there is a time attack mode, the game doesn't like give you a crappy score at the end. It doesn't you know, award any bonuses that I know of for doing things exceptionally fast. It's just, hey, if you want to be in this level for a while and dig around through every nook and cranny go for it there's a lot of shit to find there's a lot of you know little unlocks that you can get if you if you're that kind of person that wants to do that but play it any way you want is there a time limit i don't believe there's a time limit no because there are some stages that took me upwards of 25 or so minutes Uh. to finish my first time so you were never you know i never got a time over or anything like that that's um, good. There are timed segments. There are t- certain things that will happen, you know, in the story or something where it's like, oh, you need to do this thing in X amount of time. There are a couple of those. Uh, but it's nothing, um, you know, there is no harsh time limit. You're not being graded at the end of a stage or anything for it. It's mostly just for personal satisfaction. And that really, you know, if you want to speed run the game and you want to engage with those things, it's just in the achievements. That's cool. So that I do hate really cool. The Sonic games having a 10-minute limit is kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that. So I visited another planet called Lovely Planet. I don't... I think I'm probably the only one that's actually played this game, so I'll give it a bit of a rundown. It's sort of a... It's a first-person cute-em-up. It's got this... it, It takes place in this little abstract world where, you know, it's like, for no reason, there are tomatoes flying everywhere, and blocks, you know, that just shoot blocks at you. Um, this sounds wonderful. It's, it is a <laughs> wonderfully enchanting game with a, a, a crazy, a crazy silly little art style. It's just pastels out the ass. This game is vomiting rainbows. It um, kind of looks like a PS1 game, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's no texture on anything, it's just solid colors. It's mostly that. There's some There's some texture work, oh. but, but most of the geometry, for the most part, is not textured. Um, but it, it its cuteness um, belies the game underneath, because it is a, it is a hardcore uh, 
speed kind of first-person shooter. Um, if I were to compare it to anything, I would call it a Super Meat Boy shooter. Because... Um, huh. It's, oh, weird. Because it has a huge number of levels, and they're all anywhere from 10 to 30 seconds long, and the object is to get through to the end of each stage uh, without fucking up. Yeah, because, you know, one hit kills you, and then you're immediately thrown back to the start of the level to try again. Um, so it's just like every obstacle is used a lot. They introduce you to every new obstacle, Um in a pretty safe environment, much like Super Meat Boy does, and then they start sprinkling it in with the other objects you've already dealt with. Um, but it gets fucking insanely hard. Uh, you know, you are required to do some pretty crazy accurate shooting. Um, and the thing about um, the thing about it and what other most first-person shooters you see today is that it doesn't use like tracers. It doesn't use like hit scan. You actually fire a bullet that fires at a set speed in space and you've got to properly lead your shots. You've got to, um, you've got to be spot on, you know, and there are accurate, you know, there, there's a bonus for getting, you know, a hundred percent accuracy in stages and things like that, along with being fast. So it's, it's a crazy hard little game, um, that, yeah, it's not like anything that I've played before in the first person shooter genre, but, I will say that it is definitely like the super meat boy of first person shooters. Um, about the only problem I'm running up against with it now is that, uh, it, it doesn't get very varied in terms of its looks. Uh, I've been, I've cleared three of the five areas now and they've all looked mostly the same. Like, but like the second area had rain, which didn't really impact gameplay much. The third area has fog, which, oh. <laughs> as you can imagine, yeah, that can that can lead to some moments that feel kind of bullshitty when you're not sure where the thing you're trying to aim at um, is in the fog because you haven't progressed fast enough to see it through the fog. And, and that's yeah, that's kind of weird. And that's a big part of the game that keeps you moving is there's a specific type of obstacle that fires up from the ground and you have to destroy it because if that object hits the ground and blows up you lose. So a large part of the game is like, I'm going to run at this guy that's shooting at me. And then I'm going to take this jump pad. And then, you know, while I'm in midair, one of the little explodey balls just popped up and I've got to shoot that thing before it flies past me. Because if once it splats on the wall behind me, I have to start the whole fucking level over. So I does the game have like a tutorial or training mode or anything? Not at all. It throws you, it throws you in and it's just like, yo, figure it out because we've put all the mechanics, you know, the mechanics are in there as the tutorial. Like I said, every new obstacle, every new type of obstacle gets introduced. You, you learn by doing. Yeah, it's it's very much like older games. It's very much like Super Meat Boy in that way, in that you, you never face a new object, you know, in the vicinity of a lot of other new objects or a ton of other objects you've already seen. They give you a pretty safe space to understand how it's going to react. Um, so, for instance, you know, something that they don't tell you uh but uh you can learn through doing is that uh the very first type of block enemy that shoots at you if you shoot its bullet you can kill the enemy as well and it counts as a parry and um they start 
making you notice this more by like deliberately forcing you down hallways where enemies are shooting at you and the odds of you shooting their bullet first are much higher than you shooting the cube and then when you start noticing that it's like oh something clicks in your brain and you start noticing how you can apply that technique to other areas of the game but then in the third area the game introduces a new type of block enemy whose bullet you can shoot out of the air but it doesn't kill them so it just keeps adding on to what's already there in uh, predictable ways while still placing its objects really fairly in all of the levels um, in a way that feels really satisfying once you figure it out because by the time you finish a stage you're going to be doing it super goddamn fast but you know, the only thing I could think of that most people might hold against it is that it is very trial and error. There, there aren't many times you're going to finish a level on your first try, but it's a matter of getting that rush of figuring it out, of puzzling out what the game wants you to do. Um, it's a very almost scripted experience if you play the game as fast as they want you to, um, but it still feels really satisfying because there's technique involved in aiming your shots because you've got to properly lead your enemies and things like that. So I've been having a really great time with it. I'm hoping that, you know, sometime in the next week or so I can finish it. Um, but that's really all I've been playing. Um, it looks so really it, it cool. It doesn't uh, have an element of randomness to it, like, say, uh, Hotline Miami? No, there's not a lot of randomness to it that I've run into thus far. Um Every stay, every world of the game has 20 levels, though, so I've got about 40 levels or so to go. So, you know, they might introduce some random elements, but I think that with the game is set up, that it wouldn't benefit from that kind of gameplay um, progression. Right. I'm sure Hotline Miami benefited from that kind of gameplay. Yeah, Hotline Miami... <laughs> Depending on who you ask, I wasn't a big fan of Hotline Miami's randomness to begin with, but I came to appreciate it because it does make you try to tackle things in different ways. It's just sometimes that game doesn't feel completely cooked to me. No, no. <laughs> it's it's definitely got some issues that I'm hoping they iron out with Hotline Miami 2. Uh, yeah. They don't. And they won't. Yeah, they're still using <laughs> And I'm really not satisfied with if he, the narrative aspects really don't work at all to me too, I think and I wouldn't care except that they're so self-important. They're so self-important and up their own ass that I just kind of wipe them out of my mind when I'm playing that game, and just I just yeah. enjoy. You know, I, I'm I'm an idiot that can enjoy the, the visceral experience gameplay-wise that it is offering. Mm-hmm. I thought the normal there's just so much of the little like story beats, and then the hospital stage where it just kind of shoves it in your face. Right, right. Um, uh, it, it's hard for me to ignore, especially from a guy like Cactus, who ostensibly made, like, arty games in the past, so it just feels not very thought out to me. I thought the normal ending of Hotline Miami was good, the one with Biker. Yeah, that was fine. Where it's like, by the way, this is a video game. Yeah. Like, the ending was about being a video game. The ending was about being a video game. It didn't go into the, all the Russian spy bullshit. Yeah, the secret ending blew it. That was just yeah, so Yeah, I, I didn't pay attention to that at all. Yeah. I feel like I'm probably better off for it. Definitely. I was so let down. Definitely. But yeah, I wasn't satisfied with any ending. So okay. moving on then? Moving on, as is tradition with this podcast already, we've got to ask the important questions. Hey, Rhett! Yeah? How's Early Access doing? It sucks. And moving on to anything notable in the news. Does anybody have anything? I do. What you got? Nintendo has announced a new handheld system. Uh Uh-huh. Really? What is it? 
It's called the new 3DS. Wait, what? It's called the new 3DS. But I, I got one of those... Oof. I got one of those about a year ago. I got a new 3DS. I, when I go, in, when, well, I go, when you go into the store sometime next year, you'll be able to get a brand new new 3DS. So, I think Nintendo... <laughs> not going to leave the house to go to the store. <laughs> I think Nintendo is, self, is, is trying to run themselves into obscurity by just completely confusing the market at this point. It's like they took the complaints about <laughs> their naming being confusing with the Wii U and the 2DS, and they just said, how can we top that? They took that confusion as a dare. <laughs> Didn't iPad do that? Make one called the new iPad? Yeah, and then I think the next one that came out was just called the Air. But didn't they have a MacBook called the Air? I don't know. I don't I keep up so. with I don't keep up with Apple products Neither because it sounds it's like a wormhole because Apple products suck. I think those are like phones are different though because you kind of expect them to upgrade every year. Yeah. But but video game consoles are traditionally there's one and that's it. And calling this new, like literally new in the name is just crazy. And the other thing is Nintendo is one of these rare hardware makers that has to publish a compatibility list for each new console they come out with. Oh like, this God. is not backward compatible with these four last generations of Game Ugh. Boy offshoots. And it's Ugh. going to have its own kind of games. What? Yes. So they announced Xenoblade Chronicles from the Wii is going to be coming to the new 3DS only. But... <laughs> it's just like, how is this going to catch on? I mean, this is the same... I don't, I don't think it is. It's the same fucking confusion you've got with Wii and Wii U, and people still, still thinking that the Wii U is just a fucking controller. It's like, yeah. what are, what are they They didn't even thinking? show the console for a while, didn't they? Did they? They just announced it as the tablet originally. Yeah. Ugh. I just, so- and it's like... When they did the 2DS, they had to do all this marketing saying, like, all 3DS games work on a 2DS. It's really the same thing. And now they got to, like, walk that back and be like, not all new 3DS games will work on a 3DS or a 2DS. Like, so you, oh I've seen no guys. problem with this distinction whatsoever. So do you think we get a new 2DS out of this? I don't think so. I don't think that thing is done as well as they hoped. Speaking about the hardware, though, what is up? With that little fucking nub that's supposed to be, I guess, a, a right stick. Yeah. So the new 3DS adds two sh- the new 3DS adds two shoulder buttons and a tiny little analog nub on the right, which means you won't have to use the Circle Pad Pro with it. So there's two shoulder buttons on each side now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like a PS2 controller. Kind Pretty of, but much. they're like they're they're side by side and not up and down. Oh, that doesn't sound awkward at all. So, like, the class yeah. controller with those two buttons you can't touch at all, ever? <laughs> yeah. Oh. But, okay. like, the right analog stick is, like, completely tiny. It's like a it little is, laptop one. It is literally just like a, a nub. nipple. Yeah, it's, it's literally a nipple. And I, I don't see how you're going to get any kind of analog fidelity out of something that small. Hmm, this seems like, very misguided. It just seems like they keep trying to take these portable systems and just create console experiences on them instead of tailoring them to create portable experiences. But, John, what else are you going to buy? A Vita? (laughs) 
no, you're going to buy more stupid iPhone games. iPhone, I've had so much fun with my iPhone games. <laughs> yeah, I've this... played like legit like six masterpieces on my iPhone. I love it. Yeah, I think Nintendo's just, uh, it's, I don't know, they're, they're so in love with the smell of their own farts at this point. Well, yeah. I think they have to be because when you live <laughs> when you live in the kind of bubble that they do, they're only smelling their own farts, so they don't get any of the good idea farts. Mm-hmm. From I mean, like, speaking of smelling your own farts, let me know when a 3ds game is as good as Sword and Sorcery. Oh, oh for God's fuck fuck sake! That game, <laughs> piece of fucking garbage. <laughs> oh my God, I love that game to bits. <laughs> so. I guess, you know, Nintendo still trying to be Nintendo. I, d- I honestly don't get where this new 3DS is coming from or what its purpose is. One, th- is- one thing I will say is that the 3DS n- has never felt good in my hands. It's felt as o- just as awkward as the first DS did. I um, think the 3DS feels fine. Uh, I, 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 I I use an XL, though, so... Uh, it's, oh, I, I don't have the XL. I have the original one. There's a little more meat to the outer casing, so yeah. it definitely feels better resting in your hands, and I can play it for I, long periods of time. I still play my DS Lite. I still... It, the DS Lite would be my favorite Nintendo thing ever, except that it's very um, fragile. I'm oh, yeah. Like my, I'm on, like, my third one. Wow. I feel I've been playing the, my DS lights for like seven or eight years now <laughs> or five or six years now, probably because I got the hacker chip so I can play NES and Game Boy games on it. But the <laughs> DS light still feels so good in my hands, at least until the shoulder buttons break. So, yeah. I, guess, so I guess we can all just agree that new 3DS is fucking dumb. Well, yeah, what yeah. What I don't get about it is like, do they expect people or software makers to start making new 3DS games only? Yeah, I mean, people are like, like third third party developers are already sick of Nintendo's shit with the home console market. Are they trying to push themselves out like of what little goodwill third party developers have for them by this new kind of confusion? It's just like, why would you ignore the entire 3DS install base at this point? It, it, especially. Especially when it's been as successful as it has in recent years. Yeah. And how is Xenoblade going to sell in that environment? Is ev- is everyone just intent on sabotaging that game as much as possible? I know, because it's like... Poor Xenoblade. Xenoblade has definitely gotten fucked over like every chance it could have over here. Because right. it almost didn't come o- out over here. And then it finally did on the Wii, and hooray. And then they did a GameStop release where they only had like, however, 50,000 copies or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sold out. Pretty, pretty limited. And so now it's, it's coming like, out only for the new 3DS? Yeah. So it's like, ever since that game came out, people have just been playing it on the Wii emulator Dolphin and like posting these gorgeous 1080p shots. And then you play the Wii version, it's like 360p. And you're like, Ooh. man, the one thing I'd want to do with this game is play it on a handheld with even lower resolution. It's just, <laughs> like, I... The one thing they should have done was announce a Wii U version. Because the sequel is also coming to Wii U. Exactly! You get people hyped by doing the whole Bayonetta thing, you know? Well, the Bayonetta mm-hmm. thing is crazy because you're getting both at once. That's really awesome. That's really they cool, actually. Just, that you makes know, me interested. They could have either released, you know, an HD version of Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii U, or they could have just packaged the first game with the new game. And what they're doing is just completely idiotic. I think they could have done an HD version like this year to get people hyped for X next year. Yes. 
Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to package two together. That's like a 100-hour game by itself. Either way, it, I suppose. it's just... Oh, God, Nintendo confounds me. <laughs> I still like their first-party content, don't get me wrong, but, but just... Yeah. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like what's going to happen is what happened with Persona 2, and Persona 2 Innocent Sin didn't come out here because it would have been released, like, a year before Eternal Punishment, and so, guess what? We get the second half of the chapter, so... Um, I mean, with with this, it kind of wouldn't be that much more of a bad thing, I guess, but I don't know what I'm talking about. I'll shut up now. No, I think I get what you're saying, Boner. If Xenoblade X doesn't come out over here, there's going to be a lot of bitching. How can they, how can they feature oh, no. it? How can they feature that game so goddamn heavily in like their E3 presentation? I mean, I think it has to. Yeah, they're it, putting they're putting the character in Smash Brothers. And yeah, the characters in Smash Brothers, they had the game running in English uh, with After English all, they, menus they, and they stuff. always release all the games of the people in <laughs> Smash Brothers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who's this Marth guy? <laughs> Who's this Lucas? Lucas. Lucas. <laughs> what? It's so much Mother 3 stuff in Smash Brothers. Ugh. <laughs> You're never gonna see it. Oh, whatever. And for, some, and for some reason, that just gives me a weird, demented glee. And I don't know why. I don't think Mother 3 is bad. I just kind of like the idea of people not getting what they want. I should work for Capcom. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You'd be great. Though. Well, you don't really like Earthbound, so maybe you just feel kind of a slight antagonism towards that, might that be group. It. That might be fine. it. fine. I, I don't. Funny. I don't mind Earthbound. I just don't think it's the game that people make it out to be. It's just like, yeah, okay, it's got a decent story and it's got you know a pretty good localization, but it's just fucking Dragon Quest battle system and it's boring. And I'm just sitting over here, literally like, this might be the best game I've ever played. <laughs> I just think it's weird when people are comparing the new 3DS to the Game Boy Color, and it's like, no, Game Boy Color, like. That, Any idiot could tell that was an upgrade. Yeah, that explains very thoroughly what the Game Boy Color is. Even when it had its own games that were specific to it, you They were know- Game Boy Color. Yes! Like, there was no confusion. And then Game Boy Advance was clearly the 16-bit successor. God, Nintendo, get your <laughs> shit together. Get your shit together, Nintendo. From the Sox cast to Nintendo, get your shit together. I really wonder what their next main platform will be. Oh God! They're just going to keep two. Nintendo sixty-five. <laughs> Nintendo Super Wii. Just call it Nintendo. I think the Nintendo. Honestly, that's the Nintendo. what your mom's going to call it anyway. Yeah. Oh Lord. Do you guys think they'll do a console handheld hybrid? I isn't. Don't they already have that? <laughs> I mean, that's practically where the new 3DS that's, is going. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do anyway with the new pro- with more processing power. But uh, Nintendo. I mean, if they could just make like a handheld version of the Wii U and have it have TV output, right? It would. That would be it. So it would be one of these Atari consoles that you buy at the toy <laughs> aisle at Kmart, but with a screen. Hey, that's how I discovered Bosconian. Bostonian's <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> I just I got we got a couple of those. I got an Intellivision emulating controller thing. I have, that was kind of fun. I have a Mortal Kombat one that has Mortal Kombat one on it. It's really damn impressive. 
cool. Uh, it, the dude had to like redesign the whole game from the ground up and recode oh, everything. Whoa. And all they, all they gave him were like the arcade games assets, and like somebody had to recompose the music. But uh, oh, it's weird. it plays pretty much. Um, pixel for pixel with the arcade game with just some slightly downgraded visuals and sound. Um, Damn. And it's, yeah, it's a real, it, but the controller itself is kind of a piece of garbage, so it's kind of hard to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have the Namco one, which has, like, all the essentials, I feel, you know, Pac-Man, uh, Bosconian. That's an essential. Cool. Only cool. everybody I think knows. the game, I think that um, the people who did the Game Boy Advance port of R-Type 3 didn't have any access to the source code, so they had to recode everything from scratch. I think the people that did the port of Sonic 1 for the Game Boy Advance <laughs> didn't have anything but the assets as well, because holy That makes shit. sense. It makes sense for R-Type 3, too. I was about to mention Sonic if you didn't. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> so, I guess in summation... Um, <laughs> None of us seem to have a lot of enthusiasm for this I guess, project. I, I guess like the only way you could sum this up is Nintendo question mark? Can't wait for new, new Super Mario Brothers. Oh, God. New, newer Super Mario Brothers. Newer Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. Super new Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> 64. <DX. laughs> Just start naming them after years. Like, yeah. Super Mario Brothers 2015. Why not? At this point. Yeah. Especially if they're then, going to continue. And then go back to numbers, like with King of Fighters, since they stopped making them one every year, just like KOF 13. Why not? <laughs> no, Simple I names are pretty funny. Annualize, annualize Mario. Yeah, just like take that Super Mario, that new Super Mario Brothers engine, make the same levels. It's like, oh, hey, we've already got the basic tile sets we need. This it's, is- it's just new rosters. Yeah, just new- <laughs> they, they, they traded Toad to the Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> So, I guess with all that out of the way, it's time to jump to our topic of the podcast. Uh, something that something that is near and dear to my heart, as many people who've read SocksMakePeopleSexy.net know, that something, you know, the only thing that I could possibly enjoy more than Super Metroid is a goddamn good Contra game. So we're going to, <gasps> we're going to rip into the Contra series. How do you guys Ooh. feel about that? Very good. I like Contra. So I like Contra. So a bit of a round table. Um, let's start with Boner. What was your first Contra experience? My first Contra experience was Super C um, at a neighbor's house. Now, Damn good place had, to start. Since I, it's a, it had Super in the title, I thought it was going to be a Super Nintendo game. Not you know what? So. When I saw that game in Nintendo Power the first time, I thought the same thing and got really <laughs> bummed because I didn't have a Super Nintendo at the time. <laughs> so I played it and I died and that was it. I didn't touch Contra again for decades. Until you started hanging around us degenerates. Yeah, so so funnily enough, I tried Contra several times throughout the years and just never quite got the hang of it. I'm talking about like I rented Shattered Soldier when it came out for PS2. I Oof. when MAME emulation became a thing, I tried the arcade game. Um, just never really clicked with me until Finally, it all came back around to Super C, and that just happened to be the first Contra game I ever beat. Cool. All the way through, no code, no save states. Like a man. Balls to the wall. Badass. Like a fucking man. John, first Contra experience. Um, save stating through Contra 1 in an emulator when I was like 12. (laughs) Oh my god. Save states in Contra 1. (laughs) 
Did you use the, Did you use the thirty life code as well? I bet you did. Yes. I bet you, I you did. Turbo safe safe and thirty and life turbo, code. And turbo. <laughs> and turbo. God. But 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 but. but. And what? then um, about a ye- two years ago, I played through Contra Super C and Operation C, um, no codes, and none of that nonsense. And over the course of about a week, and just loved every one of them, especially the second two, Super C and Operation C. And um, I played a good chunk of hardcore, and I re- and I beat Hardcore Uprising when that came out, and I thought that was super rad. We beat that together, didn't we? We did. <coughs> and um, oh wait, no, before even before uh, Contra One, um, I downloaded Contra Three on uh, on Virtual Console and played a good chunk of that, and never got past the third level. Okay. So Rhett, first Contra experience? First Contra game, obviously. Played that, you know, when it was new because I'm old. Right, right. <laughs> You're old. Even though I was very young back then, I did admittedly have to use the 30 lives code to beat the game. And I remember playing it with one of my cousins who was also not very good at it. So we used 30 lives, got through the game. That was a lot of fun. And then the only Contra I really played when it was new as well was Contra 3. And I was better at that one. I didn't have to use any cheats. Are there any cheats for Contra 3? Uh, I think, think so. they were all taken out of the U.S. version. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I played So I played Contra 3 when it was new, and I missed the good ones like Super C and Hardcore, and then missed the bad ones on the PlayStation 1. Thank your lucky stars. So my first Contra experience was... It happened to, do, uh, it happened to be with um, a cousin of mine got into some trouble for grades and stuff and his grades were i guess so abysmally bad that um his dad just ended up giving me all of his nes games and among those was uh the first contra game and i was immediately hooked at just how different it felt from a lot of games that i had played at the time um there was just an immediacy to just firing your gun and moving through a level and killing lots of things, you know, that I hadn't seen uh, in another game before. Um, I eventually... Sorry. The NES game just feels really good, even compared to pretty much anything else on the system. Yeah, it's just a way It really does. The game has physics that I haven't felt in any other game, really. Precision Uh, of control. yeah, Uh, Yeah. Everything is so precise. You always feel in control. When you die, it's your fuck up. The game didn't fuck you over. Uh, Which is hard to do when you have that many enemies kind of on the screen at once. Like, right, the game, like the game does a lot of random spawning, and mm-hmm. um, but and that's you know, hard to get precise. Like Contra, I feel gets that a little better than Ninja Gaiden does. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> they both kind of they both kind of do the whole swarming thing, but then in Contra, <sighs> you feel even it feels even more precise without having to be as like focusing on a couple enemies at a time as like Mega Man or Mario right. which are fuck. way more fuck Ninja Gaiden <laughs> <laughs> at least uh, it's a super least... cool balancing act that's really present in the Contra games at least Contra doesn't have the respawn rate of Ninja yeah. Gaiden yeah. Um, yeah, but, it's instantaneous <laughs> but yeah like you know I like I bad truth time here something you all probably would have never thought about me <laughs> first time i ever beat the first contra game was with a 30 life code <gasps> there it is and the viewership just plummeted <laughs> my gamer cred is out the window um <clears throat> but no that is a game that even though i learned to do it with 30 lives 
I stuck with it and continued playing it because I wanted to beat this game without that kind of aid. Since I, you know, I was like, oh, I know what's coming up now, and I can just adapt my playstyle on the fly and learn how to overcome these obstacles on my own. And, you know, day or two later, easily just rolled through the game, and I could roll through the game blindfolded now. I know it so well. Um, but, you know, I've gone on to play pretty much everything in the series since then because, you know, I'm a fucking massive Contra head. Um, but I think, like, the thing that uh, we all probably have the least experience with is the arcade games. And they're kind of unique when you, you know, when, when most people talk about Contra, they either don't know or they're not really going to talk about the arcade games. Um, they did see I have no experience with them. <clears throat> They did see release here, but they are entirely different beasts when you put them up to what Konami did on the home consoles with Super C and the first Contra game. Uh, they're, like, very vertically oriented, even though they're a side-scroller game. Like, the, the field of view is very vertical. It's like yeah, it has, this, like, a vertical shmup cab, which is really weird when you, in practice... <laughs> Yeah, like, this and, is kind of like Contra Four in that sense. And yeah, uh, it really, is. it doesn't really utilize okay. it like the way Contra yeah, Four utilizes oh, the dual okay. screens. It's I mean, just Super Contra maybe a little bit better, but yeah. first first arcade Contra, it's kind of the same as far as like the stage layouts. Yeah, it's kind of the same hat. Weird. Um, but um, <clears throat> they're a lot slower. Too. They're definitely a lot slower. There's a weird arc to when you're like aiming your shots. So if like if you're running and you're like firing diagonally up and you continue wanting to move forward by firing forward, like your gun will sweep down and you'll shoot in directions that are on the way down. I, I, feel, I, I feel like they're a bit easier. I mean, you can you probably still have to quarter feed through them they're much shorter they i mean both of those games can be done in 15 minutes a piece easily but Um, the lack of control precision takes some getting used to yeah it's kind of like you feel like why would i want to spend my time getting to something that's not that fun to play and super contra adds precision in like the weirdest way and giving you two heights of jump what? Oh, that is so yeah. awkward. Yeah, because like you got a normal jump, which is very low to the ground, and really is only serves to get you over momentary bullets that are you know coming at your direct line. But there is also like if you jump and hold up at the same time in either direction, oh. you will do a, you'll do a high jump that is still slow as balls. But good luck not getting killed with that. Yeah, it's it's like everything about the arcade games and like the way the weight works and how gravity feels it is entirely foreign if you're used to how those games feel on the home consoles you really have to play it i mean the jumping is so fucked up it's like they do this weird jackknife dive thing and he hardly goes like four feet off the ground yeah i know Rhett recently uh played through the whole uh, the entirety of super contra which is which is the second arcade game he recently played through that um i did an lp of it yeah Oh, and, cool. and and what did you think of that experience? Yeah, like you guys said, like the jumping is just so weird in those games. It might be a little worse in the original Contra arcade game. I kind of got used to it in Super Contra, but it's just weird how like like Boner said the jackknife position. Like you can't really tell where your hitbox is because he doesn't tuck up into a nice little ball like on yeah. the NES games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just you don't know where you are, and you've got two jump heights and the gun aiming thing. Like it's really bad in the overhead stages. It's really bad in every stage. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good anywhere you put it. Right. And it's like, 
when we mentioned the NES games and how the tightness of controls, and it's like you press a direction, you shoot that direction. You got the eight direction, 45 degrees of movement. And the arcade games just are the exact opposite, where you've got this floaty jump, and then you press a direction to shoot, and your character takes like four shots to actually start shooting in the correct direction. Because it's arcing the bullets up. It's hard to explain, weird. but once you play it... So like, one oh thing God. that bears that mentioning about... weird. <laughs> With the arcade Super Contra, it actually introduced something that probably most people don't think about this showing up there first. But you can actually have two levels of weapons if you, say, if you collect a machine gun and then you don't get anything else and collect another machine gun, you get this super rapid firing machine gun, which is probably the best thing to have in the game. Yep. I think the only other weapon you can do that with, though, in that game is the grenade. I don't yep. think the laser or the spread have any other That's higher so level. weird. I think the spread does, actually. I think the spread okay. normally is three bullets wide, and then the and double then one is five to, wide. Yeah. But yeah, that's an interesting thing that didn't quite see... Um, uh, it didn't quite see its debut on consoles until Operation C... Um, right, but only with the spread there, right? Yeah, um, the spread, and I think the homing gets more shots. Really? Yeah, I think hmm. so. Um, but okay, so we have the arcade games. Uh, but like I said, most of us are familiar with obviously the first Contra game. It's the one that most people talk about all of the time, and they say it's the hardest game ever, even though it's one of, even though it's one of the fucking easiest games ever. I'm sure that you could talk Contra one to death. Uh, but I think that we've already pretty much covered why that was such a good game and why it was a great foundation for our next game, which I'm going to give a bit of a, a, a preface to. When, when, when we were laying out this show, uh, one of the elements at uh, the, the end of this segment I wanted to do was for all of us to pick one Contra game um, that you know we'll always come back to. And three of the four of us picked Super C. And I think, without a shadow of a doubt, Super C is probably one of the best, if not the best goddamn game in the series. And it is a goddamn shame that, like, when game sites talk about Contra, they're always talking about the first one. When Super C just outclasses it in every single way. The game, oh, feels, the game feels faster. There's, there's a lot more challenge to it. Um, the terrain is a lot more different. There are slopes. Oh. There's a lot more vertical movement. Um, the the, the There's graphics. a lot more variety. Yeah, the, the vertical movement's a big thing. Uh, you probably don't think about that when you think Contra, but you go back and play the first one. There's no vertical movement whatsoever. You don't have the mountain mm-hmm. stage. You except don't have for the, the except for the stage. waterfall. Yeah, the waterfall stage. stage. No stage. Yeah, yeah, waterfall stage. But I mean, that stage is just kind of thrown together almost. Yeah. Like the last, the whereas, like the, the layouts in Super Contra's uh, vertically oriented stages, they're very well thought out. They they they're not just random. They're not just like lines of platforms like the waterfall was. Right, and they're scary. Like, yeah, the last the, couple levels it, in Super C are pretty freaky. That's something it, we'll get into. Is like I think that game has an excellent progression. Like as you go through it, you feel like you're getting deeper and deeper into like the heart of something just really fucking sinister. And by the there's time there's a real you... escalation of tension in that game. Yeah, by the time you hit Aliens Layer, that is like I am in the deep shit now. Which is the exact feeling I had when I uh, beat it for the first time. And mind you, I was like 27 
at this point. <laughs> and it, 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 not not eight years old. <laughs> for a game that's exactly. not for, for a series that's not really well known for its atmosphere, I think that Super C deserves some credit for having you know a, a really cool build up um, toward its final stages that is just completely. I don't think anything in the rest of the series quite captures it. The first Contra, you're fighting like weird military things and yeah occasionally like a giant cyborg football player but then like you get to area eight and it's alien lair and it's like whoa where did this come from there's you know there's yeah, they don't, hr they don't, giger dicks with mouths everywhere they don't mm-hmm. build and, up to that and the thing you start seeing like weird alien creatures in like stage four and stage five when you're throwing those elements in but they're still in like kind of real worldly environments you start getting like, oh, I'm getting into some deeper shit, and then yeah, by the time in stage five of Super C, the boss is a UFO that spits skulls at you, <laughs> and then you go into the belly of the beast right into stage six. It's just like, whoa, we're Ooh. yeah, we're in for it now. It's it's fantastic yeah. uh, progression. The boss of the, that last overhead boss feels like a final boss almost. So that that, that into the that game, overhead boss that that uh, stage six boss is actually the final boss of the arcade Super Contra. That makes sense, and then yeah, the, right. and then it progresses from the even there, and it just feels very. Ugh, it's yeah, really you're like, good. it looks like you're going like there's a part in stage seven where you're like you're going down. It's just a straight down drop through a very narrow passageway, and there's a, these like it looks like you're going down through an esophagus or some weird muscle tissue or something, and it's just yeah, it just keeps getting cr- progressively creepier and creepier. Um, I remember that both you and I were trying to put into words what we thought was special about Subterranean Animism, the 11th Toho game, yeah. versus other Toho games, and we both thought of, like, Contra. Yeah, it has of, that same progression towards that, the end. You know, exactly. You, you know you're that getting, kind of that feeling of and build up. That feeling of, oh, wow, I'm about to step in the poopy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then you finish that, and you're like, oh, God, it's about to, things are about to get even poopier. Yeah, so and then they do, and they get poopier and poopier, and this is get, we're losing this a bit. But <laughs> I think you just like saying poopy, but I'm not. I, hey, fart be it for me uh, to, to fart be it for you. Fart be it for me. But um, <laughs> and, and it just always really bugs me that when it comes down to Super C, that it is the game that nobody seems to fucking know about. Um, and it's just I have I, to wonder if that's because they they couldn't or didn't want to call it Contra Two at the time. Because of the whole Iranian Contra thing, yeah, like the you know because this the arcade game was Super Contra, but they just called it Super C when it came home, and it makes me wonder if them not being able to use that Contra name again. It sounds like a Nintendo decision almost. Yeah, yeah. I really like the name Super C. It's I think that it works off the tongue. Well. I like it. Oh, I, I like love it. it. That's one of my favorite names for a video game ever. It's just like you say it, and you're like, you, I get excited. It's like, yeah, I want to fucking Super go play C. Super C. <laughs> Do you know when Super C came out on the NES? 1990, I want to say. Because, like, I I knew about the arcade game. I played Super Contra, like, in an actual arcade, and I just had no idea they ever even made a home port of it until, like, ten years ago or whatever. Until you started talking to me. Yeah. I'm like, wait, they, they did make a Super C for NES? And then I played it. I'm like, holy shit, why does nobody know about this game? Why does nobody know about it? Because it had one of the most awesome TV spots ever. Oh, God, yes. Did it? I was going to say, like, did they ever advertise You never it? saw the ad- Oh, yeah, definitely. I didn't know it existed, I swear to God. After this is over, go look up the Super okay. C advert. It's so good. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I just, I, I'm always confused, like, when games name, like, you know, they're always talking about Contra 1 being the hardest game ever. 
or you know, like, or and it's just how underrepresented uh, Super mm-hmm. C gets. And, and it's get- not even really good because it's super hard. I, it is pretty hard, but it's just a really, really well put together game. Yeah, it's not even that hard compared to NES games. No, not like, at I all. Know it's on the easier side, for God's sakes. Yeah, this- it's it's good. I mean, it's hard initially, but it's good and fun to play and you want to keep progressing at it. It's not like a, a bad hard game that's just bad because it's badly designed or coded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's the same way people talk about Dark Souls and its difficulty. Like, if you're only talking about Dark Souls because of the difficulty, you're missing the fucking point. Oh, so Namco when they made the second game. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically when Team B rolled out the big steaming turd that was Dark Souls 2. Um, yeah. But... Super C, a fucking fantastic game. Goddamn yeah. love it. If you have not played Super C on NES, go goddamn play it. You owe it to yourself. Um, you know, just listening to y'all, I f- really feel like it is in basically the same league as like Super Mario, Metroid, Mega Man 2, Zelda. I definitely feel it is. I say that yeah. without. I say that without my contra bias. I think that that is definitely mm-hmm. one of the best designed NES games there ever is, or ever mm-hmm. was, ever is. And so if you're just trying to get through the ascent, what what we would think of as like the essential NES library, Super C is just I, I would take a really Super, important entry. I would take Super C over Contra any day. Absolutely, I would, I would not Contra off of that list and say play. The I think real, it's as much refinement the, as Mega Man Two is over one. Play the real fucking Contra game. Play Super C. I think I would take both of them simply because Super C has a pretty flat difficulty, honestly. Like I stage agree. stage one just fucking goes. Like, yeah, you are yeah. that game throws you in, and you yeah that game does not stop from the word go. Mm-hmm. It kind of so works. I kind of like, one has like some that. parts that are just oddly balanced, and, and if, it, if you don't know what's coming, you um. You, they're gonna screw you the first time. If you've experienced Contra One though, and you go into Super C, it's like, whoa, this is really hard. But it's also fair, and I feel like I could do, you know, like you said, any fuck ups, your own damn fault. Contra One also Contra had gets way better on the uh, Contra One gets way better from like stage five onward, right? Yeah, stage like the base stages really slow down the first half of that game, and I I, I don't like the base stages at all. Which is why mm-hmm. I'm really glad that like when they did Super C, you know, they continued their tradition of trying to throw in different kinds of elements by using using the top-down stages. Which work uh, and, really well. And those work really well, because, you know, they were taking obvious inspiration from games like Commando at the time. Mm-hmm. And way better than they do in Contra 3. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely get to that in a, yeah, in sorry. a minute. Um, one, one other thing, though. Mm-hmm. John just said that Contra 1 gets way better at Stage 5 and on, mm-hmm. and that's when it diverges from the arcade yes, game. Yes, that, that's <laughs> exactly true. <laughs> So, moving on, we have Operation C on the Game Boy, which... It's not a full metal alchemist when you said that. <laughs> God damn it. It's kind of like sorry. that. Kind of. <clears throat> so, we have Operation C. I think all of us have played it by this point. And it kicks ass. Yes, it does. It is a great, it, it's a great marriage of what the series would start to become and, and what it already was with Super C. It feels like Super C 1.5 or something. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. I played it for the first time yesterday, and it's like, oh, this is just kind of a Game Boy version of Super C mm-hmm. with some different it's bosses. It's tinier, and I think it's a little bit tinier and lesser in scope, but also a little bit more refined. Like, I think all the boss fights in Operation C are really solid, when some of the ones in Super C nah. can be a little dippy. Nah, <laughs> no, I disagree. Yeah. Okay. They're not. They're not. They're, <laughs> oh, actually, okay. They're st- yeah, I get I, I, If there's one thing you can say about Super C... 
or two things is that one the, f- the flame gun is way too fucking powerful mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and two the bosses are a little dippy mm-hmm. and I feel like Operation C felt a little bit more solid in that guard plus you have the automat you hold the button to start with and you don't have to mash your default gun you don't have to, have to mash B that would <laughs> have been murder shoot. on a Game Boy because the thing would be shaking the entire time yeah yeah they, they made they made the pea shooter good yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's like like when it got introduced, and I think the series kind of kept to that until Contra Four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, which I think was a really nice improvement. But and, yeah, and the progression at the end of Operation C is really cool too. Yeah, I think that game does a really it, it does a good job of trying to take what Super C did with its progression. Uh, I don't think it does it as effectively because that game doesn't have quite as long of a runtime to build up to it. Yeah, but, exactly. But it's only it's, has five stages, and two of them are overhead stages, which, um, it, I don't know, it, it feels like if it had been spaced out more, it could have had more of, like, Super C's progression. Right, it's, right. It's more like the Super Contra arcade one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But still very good. You owe it to yourself to check out Operation C as well. Our friend Boner actually did a Let's Play of it recently that you should check out. If you if you if you're a big baby pussy and don't want to play a hard game yourself, you could watch Boner be a big baby pussy and play a hard game himself. Uh, I actually did pretty awful at it, so um, you can probably get like the whole gamut of emotions, yeah. including the rage quits. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, of Operation C is kind of a refinement. It's not weird like a lot of Game Boy adaptations, which kind of makes it a little worse in my eyes. But like, it's just so refined and excellent for what it is. I really like Operation C a lot. So, the the the, the series moved on from the NES at that point. It wouldn't revisit it until wait, a bit later. Wait, it would wait, not listen. Wait. It would not revisit the NES <laughs> until a bit later. I'm oh. talking chronologically here. So we're moving on to what I have come to over the years regard as probably my least favorite Contra game, and because I just don't think it's very good at all, it has its moments. Uh, Contra 3 The Alien Wars. Yeah, it really isn't that great. It, oh, it, come on. I agree. I don't think that it's a terror. I used to think that it was shitty, fuck, turdy, belchy, poopy, farty, and now I only think it's stinky, farty, smelly. Yeah. Stage three and Stage four three. are great. Stages Stage- three and four are, are what I feel have come to epitomize the series as to what it is today. With Contra 3, I can give it the credit for making that series about crazy moments and big fucking crazy bosses. Mm-hmm. Which would come if- to a head in a really cool way later on. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. I don't know if any Treasure members worked on Contra 3, but it kind of feels like they did. That seems mm-hmm, to be the something. internet urban legend. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's actually the team that did Sparkster or Rocket Knight Adventures, and then Hardcore did Contra Three. Yeah, yeah, it's the same head designer did Rocket Knight Advent. Oh, I don't know. I didn't know about Contra Three though. Oh, that makes sense. I'm not sure. The I mean, Konami didn't do a great job on credits. No, nah. I can tell. Yeah, they were- yeah, but there's one big designer who is involved in Rocket Knight Adventures and Contra Hardcore, and I need to get the add the name. We don't do research for this podcast, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. but, At least um, until John gets his Wikipedia tab open. Yeah. <laughs> Already on it. But um, Contra 3, it, it, it feels like a rushed game made to get out you know, in the launch window of, of the yeah. SNES. Yeah, it doesn't feel finished. Um, it's, it's only six stages long. Two of them are very bad. Um, they, ha- they, ca- they revisit the overhead um, 
the overhead stage gimmick from Super Ugh. C and Operation C, but they do it in a way that was kind of pigeonholed and forced, or not pigeonholed, but it was Nobuya for- Nakazato. <clears throat> it was forced in um, to you know because it's mode seven. Yeah, and like you the- instead of like moving your character around like a normal person, you have to be a dipshit and use like the left and right uh, the L and R buttons to like rotate the entire fucking map around, and it's just it's super nauseating. It's and nauseating. Slow. It's slow. The stages are based on hunting down specific targets. Uh, the stupid bri- collapsing bridges things that are so uh, finicky. Yeah, and and the, oh yeah, the, the hit detection. Is the terrible. hit detection is very very fucking bad. I think in a lot of that game, not just those overhead stages. I, I really I can call bullshit on a lot of things in that game uh, when getting killed by them, and I think it's largely because that game just feels so rushed. And yeah, I'm not the and, biggest fan. And yet it's. Like the first Contra, it's still more famous than its immediate successor. Contra Hardcore, yeah. which is the Genesis and the, the sole Genesis entry uh, of the Contra series. And I know we talked about it a lot on the first episode with the, the Genesis anniversary and everything, but goddamn, is, uh, even though it represents an entirely different change of pace for what the series was, which would carry it through you know, the, the 2000s. Um, you know, it's more of a boss rush heavy game. Uh, and it's goddamn amazing. And it's goddamn amazing. It's built on a lot of style. Um, it makes everything that you do seem really stylish. The bosses are stylish and just fucking creepy. Um, the it, music is perfect. The music is great. It's a fantastic game. It's it, 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 Slide it's, move. The slide move is, you know, something that... I'm glad Multiple that they characters. Yeah. Unique weapons. Unique weapons. It's definitely Multiple paths. When you consider the scope Oh my of what, god, it's so good. When you consider the scope of what a normal Contra game is, hardcore seems so different. You know, that it's like they were throwing all of their ideas in a basket and they needed a name to put on it, so they used Contra. Um, which probably didn't work so well for the uh Next game we're going to have to unfortunately talk about. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I think... Wait, I kind of want to talk about Hardcore yeah. more. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's so can good. Say, can I say one Off thing? To the races, Go probably. ahead. Last week, uh, you were t- we were talking about how Super NES games tended to be traditional like evolutions of NES counterparts. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel Contra 3 definitely is that, where it's just kind of a bigger version of... I mean, not as good, but it feels much more traditional, com- like... It's a sequel to Contra 1 and Super C. Yes. Where mm-hmm. Contra Hardcore is the Sega version where it does new things. It does a ton of new things that the series hasn't even revisited since. Like, multiple paths, multiple characters, multiple weapons. Like, it... It feels like much, a complete, a really classy kind of reinvention. Right? Yeah, that, that's Kind of like, like Pac-Man Championship Edition or like Gradius Five. It totally just, kind of reinvents what Contra can be. Yeah, it, it, in a really it, cool it, way. It's a it's huge so much evolution. better than it has any right to be. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you're playing as a werewolf, and there's <laughs> scripted story scenes, and it's and on then, the Genesis. And again, like yeah, like like you said, this is not the Contra game people talk about. Just like Super C, even though it is by far the superior game, like what it lacks in like a pure run and gunning experience, which Contra Three does have. It makes up for by having this whole new fr- breath of fresh air blown into it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a series that was you know evolving. You know, while most were just sticking to the script and doing the same thing, uh, they really did a lot of crazy good stuff uh, with hardcore. 
and as overwrought and 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 lengthy in scope as Super Castlevania Four is, right? And compared to as rush as how Contra Three is, it's like what? Why? Do you guys have any thoughts on like how that disconnect, how those two series, because they essentially started off as just an action platformer. And then Castlevania just goes off and, like, it does. It's like, we're going to add RPG elements. We're going to have, like, a nonlinear, like, map you explore. And then it's like, oh, Contra 3, just poop it out. Just Operation C with better graphics. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah, it's like we have the kind of unfinished Contra 3. we got the really boring-ass Castlevania 4. And then over here on the Genesis, we've got Hardcore and Bloodlines. It's really nuts. Arguably, you know, you could say, if somebody said to me, you know, hey, Contra Hardcore is the best game of the series, even though I fucking love Super C, I would totally agree with them. I'd like, you know what? Yeah, that's, that's I, honest, I think that Hardcore is just as good. As I, Super, I will I be think the person to say that. Unique. It is the best. Hardcore is the best game of the series. And uh, I think they're, they're, equal, they're definitely as great. Like, Super really C is my them. Desert Island Contra game, but mm-hmm. Hardcore <laughs> just overall uh, blows it out of the water. Mm-hmm. Hardcore has a ton of replay value too because of the branching paths. The branching paths, oh, so the cool. the characters and their varying weapons. Is there like a bad stage in that whole game? Not at all. Oh. Every every stage in that game is a winner. That's so cool. The only thing I dislike is that when you're trying to do all the paths, you have to do stages three and four. A bunch. Yeah, yeah. That unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, you can't always have a new experience with like totally new stages that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. But, but it's still so pretty. mastered stage four. It's like that last boss fight when you're trying to get oh. all the paths. That's just so. This is like the most overwrought thing. It's like okay, I know how to do it now. I gotta do it again. Yeah, it yeah. is a it is a crazy long scripted boss fight that takes way longer than it should. But it it's so rad the first time you do it. Cool. Oh, but, I was pulling my hair out the first time. Oh, I, 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 I fucking loved it. I loved figuring that boss out because something that I'd, I've done with most Contra games um, is that I my first time beating them is usually been with a friend of mine who has long, you know, for many, 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 many years has been my Contra buddy, and it was fun puzzling um, Contra Hard Corps out. Uh, we, you know, we spent the better part of a month. You know, getting home from school and being like, all right, let's throw in hardcore. We're going to play this for like three or four hours. And we spent the better part of a month, you know, doing every possible thing we could in that game. And it felt so good to keep getting good at it. Um, So, you know, definitely, you know, that's the the element that kind of gets overlooked nowadays because we're all busy old farts with jobs and lives is that the Contra games are usually pretty damn good co-op experiences. Um, mm-hmm. And it's definitely worth trying to see the end of a game like that with a partner. Because it, it's it's one thing to do it by yourself, but it becomes an entirely different kind of game. Even though the games don't change that much. Um, when you add in the second player, um, it becomes a, a totally different thing to like try and keep your buddy alive. Or you know them saving your ass. It's it's super awesome experience that should yeah, definitely... I'll just say for my part, at least with Contra 1 and 2, or sorry... Contra and Super C is that I do a lot worse with a second player. <laughs> That's usually the case, but it just takes practice. It just takes practice and you'll get there. All right. Everyone displayed sufficient love for hardcore <laughs> have we as all, much as anyone ever can. Have we all, you know, taken turns going down on Contra Hardcore? Everyone listening, go play Super C and then Hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are the highlights. That's... They're the underrated games and they're also the best. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They're they're masterpieces. They're <laughs> best 
games ever. <laughs> you know, do you know what? You know what game's not a masterpiece, and it's more of a disaster piece. And it's not even a fucking contra game. I won't fucking recognize it because I know its origin is not one of being a contra game at all. It was a game that was originally supposed to be released in Japan as Arkhound, I believe, but I'm not sure if it got released or not. Uh, it's called Contra Fuck 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 Force. Oh yeah, I forgot about this one. Oh my! Oh, did you? God, I thought we were gonna go You're on. You're the like one who the... put it on the show itinerary. <laughs> mother, I totally didn't, motherfucker. You totally did. I totally didn't. It's one of you. <laughs> then it was Boner because it wasn't me. I did okay. not put it on there. <laughs> what a what a fucking catastrophe of a game. I mean, the game is barely playable. Um, barely it's, playable. It's not playable. I mean, you incredible. can't get past the first stage. You you literally like one extra sprite on the screen is enough to send this game just crashing to a screeching halt. Like. Is it like- 15 frames a second or something it's just it's, so it is, slow down it is abysmal the game is just constantly dropping inputs left and right because it's going so slow and it's just like how does a game become that unoptimized because graphically it's not doing a lot the sprite work is very simple the backgrounds have an adequate amount of detail but i don't really understand how a game could be so fucking slow because there are moments when nothing is happening on screen and it's just you and your character you jump and it is a clear 60 frames a second the instant you put a bullet on the screen it comes crashing down it truly is the snake's revenge of the contra series (laughs) Yeah, but I actually can kind of tolerate Snake's Revenge. <laughs> and at least... And, and because Snake's Revenge is really good music. Snake's Revenge has great music, as does Contraforce. I will give it oh, that. Oh, okay. Contraforce does have good music. I will give it that. Um, and it also, like... It does this weird, like, you can play co-op by yourself thing that involves going into a menu that takes a couple of seconds to load and then, like, changing one of the other player characters to be controlled by the computer, but then they disappear after ten seconds, but you can go back into the menu and do it again. It's... You know what? Just read my goddamn review of the game, because it's a piece (laughs) of shit. It is garbage. There's nothing redeeming about Contra Force and nothing that series ever needed to take away from it. Oh, there was Beans. Beans... He is the musical fruit. <laughs> but um, even in, like, Contra 4, Contra 4 has this timeline of Contra games, and Contra Force is not recognized. It's non-canon. It is non-canon. But there are some other games that are at least mentioned in passing <sighs> that most people don't think about. When we... Unfortunately, there's we're, we're, in a, we're entering the dark period of Contra where the series did not have quite a successful leap uh, as it did from 8 to 16 bits. Uh, when we went to 32-bit, the series kind of basically shot itself in the head and died with first Contra Legacy of War. Anybody else besides me play Contra Legacy of War? Nope. I've looked at videos on YouTube. I have not played it. It's a piece of garbage. It is a, it, it's all top-down... Um, it's all done in 3D, and it's, like, really bad early PlayStation 1 3D. Uh, the levels are crap, the characters are crap, the weapons are crap, and, but hey, it's got a cool 3D mode, and it came with 3D glasses for whatever fuck reason. 
Um, but it just it embodied nothing about what made the Contra games good. There is no level design worth speaking of. Um, you you know having to jump in 3D from a weird sort of isometric over the shoulder view didn't feel right at all. Um, and it should also be noted that these games were not developed by internally by Konami. They were developed by Appaloosa, um, which is why. Uh, you know, it's just like, I don't understand why, you know, when they had such a successful showing in the 16-bit and 8-bit eras, why Konami would farm what I would consider to be a flagship series of theirs at the time, that why they would farm that out to, like, a developer who I don't think had done shit. My only non-researched, off-the-cuff theory as to that is that they put all their good developers on things like Silent Hill and Metal Gear Solid and Castlevania symphony of the night yeah yeah that that can be like the only reason uh, but <laughs> but then you know they weren't content with you know like appaloosa ripping their pants off and taking a big steamy one all over <laughs> the contra corpse that they had already created with just one game uh they did see the contra adventure and oh my fucking god this game it's just, I couldn't bring myself to finish it even with cheat codes. It's that bad. It is an unplayable, floaty, fucking inconsistent, like, no hit detection whatsoever. Like, enemies can just, like, you have a life bar because, you know, apparently they didn't know how to code in invincibility frames because anytime something touches you, your life bar just completely whittles down for every frame the enemy is touching you. Wow. Um, so it's like a bad Flash game. It is a bad Flash game. Flash Dolphin. But, um, it's not only that, but like, okay, the game has side view stages. Um, and they try to emulate, you know, a Contra 3, early Contra feel, but like, your character jumps as high as the fucking screen. Um, and it's Technology slow as, operation C. <laughs> and it's slow it's slow as fuck and then there then the game has 3D stages they're over the shoulder early PlayStation type shooters like oh my god and there's like no analog control it's just and it's still you know same rules apply it's 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 barf. It's oh my god! I I can feel myself. I can feel the words vomiting themselves out of my ears because they don't want to be spoken about this game anymore. Ooh! But I'm watching it on YouTube and it is uh, <laughs> really not pretty. Seriously, if you want to see bad bad fucking game, go watch some video of See the Contra Adventure because holy shit, it is I terrible. I kind of want to try and play it now. You Just know what? See. I don't even think that it works properly on emulators. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I think that I actually I think that I was trying to get video of it once and I threw my disc in um, and uh, I made an ISO of it and I tried to play it in uh, a PlayStation emulator and it did not work like it didn't draw the sprites or something properly but yeah oh the 3D stages oh yeah yeah <laughs> like I told you they're garbage that game Oof. like I said the game is so bad I could not bring myself to finish it even with cheat codes these cheat codes included invincibility. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't take you it. Couldn't hold right. I, I could not turn my brain off and just hold right because it was such an offense. It, everything about those games offends me on a level 
that that I never thought conceivable by a video game. I know I've played through Sonic 2006. <laughs> <laughs> you like really- enjoyed Sonic 2006. I enjoyed it in a, a really weird way, but I assume we'll probably talk about the Sonic series at some point, so I'll save that. Um, it's really sad that, like, a lot of series had difficulty jumping to 3D, and Contra, obviously, one of the worst examples. Oh, God, but yeah. But then, we were mentioning earlier how Castlevania and Contra both had such a good showing on the Genesis, and then you look at the PlayStation 1, and you've got Symphony of the Night... And then see the Contra Adventure. And then you like, see, like, how, like, even though I think the Castlevania series continued spinning its wheels after Symphony of the Night. But Symphony is still really Symphony, good. <laughs> Symphony is just, like, an amazing game. And it's just, I can't understand how, like, a company that put out something as good as that, you know, could not conceive a 2D platformer as, you know, for the Contra series in yeah. a way, in the same way. It's just sad there's no equivalent this time. Yeah. That they well, just had to stick to 3D. Well, mm-hmm. my thought is that with, you know, with Castlevania adding all these RPG elements and exploration and stuff, and something like a run-and-gun shooter doesn't really seem to lend itself to that. Um until you think about, yeah, those games do exist. They're called uh, Blaster Master and Guardian Legend. There I mean, you go. They could have easily done something along those lines. A game like that, right. Yeah, yeah they, with really nice 32-bit 2D graphics. Yeah, they could have done a lot with, like, some Ugh. really great animation and, you know, like, maybe mess around with the idea of, like, an overworld and then, like, going into stages or finding ways to incorporate exploration into that. Oh, I'm seeing a wall boss in this 3D game. I'm turning this video off. (laughs) (laughs) So, basically... Just one thing I wanted to mention that, like, ironically enough, way forward of all people tried to make that marriage of Contra and Metroidvania, and what we got out of that was Aliens Infestation, and that game can lick dogs, screw them. Yeah, that... That game oh. really disappointed me. It, it's just from the screenshots and, and, and from all the video that I had seen prior to its release. I was really pretty excited, and then you get it, and it's just this game is not very yeah. good. Aside from the one we're going to talk to in a bit, I'm not sure I really love any way forward games. You are my friend, my best <laughs> yeah. friend. I'm going to agree. Right I'm going to agree when we I get just, when we get I there. I haven't liked the Shantae game. Shantae I played. Wait, wait, the wait, Blood Rain Betrayal. Let, let's wait until we get to Way Forward's part in the the, the Conjurer, and then we can we, yeah. can we can we can put Way Forward on blast. <laughs> yeah. Um, blast process that shit. So, <laughs> so the Contra series is all but dead. Um, after the 32-bit era, and at this point, you know, I'd given up hope of ever seeing the series again. I, I really wasn't even into video games much by the time that they announced that there was going to be a new Contra game, and then they started showing off Shattered Soldier uh, mm-hmm. for the PS2, and oh my god, I was there day one, and I was... You, you wouldn't have found a happier fucking Polly in the world when uh, Contra Shattered Soldier came out because, you know, it, it, it picked up where Hardcore left off. You know, just gigantic... Even, even the same lead designer, Nobuya Nakazaki. Yeah, it, gigantic, crazy bosses, excellent stage design, um, just a really, like, a, a great sense of being over the top in a way that the series was never able to do before. Uh, I mean, some of the boss designs in that game are just so fucking grotesque and uh, just the Marilyn Manson fish. 
Yeah, the Marilyn Manson fish, the turtle butt face guy uh, at the end of the first stage that that vomits all over you. It's it's <laughs> wow, that game is so just. I'm not sure I would say creative in the boss designs, but they sure are fucking grotesque. It really was aping Contra Three a lot, but it had hardcore's um, sense of you know this is a Structure. boss rush and yeah yeah. It, it's it's not focusing on the run gun. The run and gun parts really aren't the focus. Uh, um, no, and and and, 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 and it's an evolution of hardcore. And to a degree, yes, like in the gameplay sense. And to and to a degree, I think like the, the run and gun parts of that game do feel a bit slapdash. Um, that, but they did it in hardcore as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that they felt a little more. I think everything about hardcore is one hundred percent tight. Whereas I don't think like the running and gunning aspects of the stages that feature it it's not quite as tight in um shattered soldier but shattered soldier also did some really cool stuff uh with weapons uh that had never been done and that the game you you just have three weapons you know you've just got um a machine gun um what's the other two Flamethrower. Machine gun, flamethrower, and a little grenade launcher. Um, and all have, like, an alternate fire that you can charge, and they all have different utility purposes. Um, well, except for the machine gun one. That, that yeah, one's the useless. Ma- yeah, the machine gun one is really dumb. It just shoots out this little ball that fires a spiral of shots that don't really seem to do much damage at all. But I think that that's probably counterbalanced by the fact that the machine gun is just dreadfully powerful in the game, too. Uh, but it, it makes, like, like the stages, like, you don't have to use a certain weapon to beat certain bosses or anything of the sort, but the game rewards you for thinking, uh, you know, on how to use your weapons differently or how to use the alternate fire. Um, and, and that's something, like, the, instead of just going the archaic route of, hey, here's power-up bubbles, you know, you just always have your weapons and you can switch to them freely. Um, that does and, seem kind of classier. And and it felt really, you know, it kept the gameplay dynamic, because especially when you were playing with someone else, because you could both tackle different parts of any situation, you know, by using different weapons, and it's just definitely a game that is very well thought out, um, it might be a little harsh um, with uh, with its hit percent thing, which is um, there are certain tar- like like when you think of hit percentage, you, you you're not thinking accuracy. It's just there are a certain number of specific targets in a stage that you can hit to increase um, the hit rate. And, and uh, at the end of each stage, you know at, you're given a score of one to one hundred percent and. Losing lives and continues also subtracts from this, so if you miss certain objects in the level, your score is going to be even lower. The problem is it locks out the last couple of levels of the game if you, oh. don't, if you don't average about 90 the whole way through the first five stages. Ooh. It has to be, you have to average an A. It's like S, A, B, C, and D, I think. That's yeah. pretty brutal. Yeah. It, it's brutal, but uh, the game is very much like hardcore in that it's heavily scripted. Like, uh, there's not a lot of randomness to it, aside from the uh, run and gun parts where enemies just kind of spawn randomly on the left or right hand side of the screen. Um, so Which it's is why those games really are kind of easier than some of the later ones. Will, right. Some of the ones will come across. <laughs> so, so it's not. It's it's I feel not like it's 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 a very good game, but it's not the most accessible. Like to me. Um, it is a you have to stand here and fight the boss exact this exact way. Now, and it's good to recognize the patterns and 
you know, the it's it's got the tightness of controls. Um, you really have to execute on these boss fights, though, because, like you said, losing lives, it does count against your percent hit, and if you don't beat stage 5, uh, by the time you got stage 5 beat it with an A, then you're not going to see the true ending of the game. Um, it's... I... You, you, it's a game you really have to have the patience to put the time into learning how to play. Yeah, it is a rote right. game. The game is the very games you rote. memorize. Yeah, right. your hardcore is really the same thing, basically. Yeah, but at it, least it, it, hardcore gives you a little. It's a little bit more forgiving than yeah. This. It, it has wiggle room. You know, you're it, not, you have the slide for one. You have the slide. You know, if you, you die, have you only weapons with brownie. Yeah, if mm. you die, you only lose a life, or you only lose a continue. Like if you continue in, in Shattered Soldier, uh, if you continue from like the middle of a stage, that's like five percent deduction. It's ten percent. Right? Flat, okay. flat 10%, that automatically puts you at, like, the breaking point for A, which means you cannot fuck up. So it, it's 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 not the the most well-thought-out uh, system, but... I uh, think it's, it's one of those extend-the-replay-value things, because it is a very short game. Yeah, it's very short. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they might have felt they had to do that since it was a PS2 game at that point, and half-hour game might not... <laughs> Might, might, not, might not gel well, but, you know, like I said, that game really nails all of the crazy notes that I wanted from the Contra series at that time. Like, everything is crazy about it. You know, you're riding missiles, you're fucking riding jet bikes through tunnels. Super grimy and, looking, too, and, right? And, and, a truck that turns into a snail. Yes! Ugh. And and it's just like everything that, you know, the Contra series had become in my mind, it was finally epitomized in that game. Like, I was finally, you know, and like adding like the visual like the cinematic camera angles uh on a certain uh specific few areas of the game really just it made it feel like you know hey this is contra of the new fucking millennium get fucking used to it it's here to beat your ass and the plot craziness the the cutscenes i mean it's like it's going for this grimdark plot but it's still got that ridiculousness factor that you started to see a hint of in um, Contra 3. I mean, maybe not as over-the-top as hardcore, but it stays true to the spirit of what the series was in its glory days, let's put it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, moving on from Shattered Soldier, we moved to Neo Contra, which was released, I think, only about a year after Shattered Soldier, if I'm and guys, right. guys, I'm what? really inter- interested yeah. in Neo Contra. I really want to play it. Well, guess what, John? What? I have played it. It is, in How fact, is the mystery game that I couldn't talk about earlier, but oh, now really? we're free to talk oh. about. <laughs> we are free to talk about Neo Contra now. So, oh. Boner, since, since you are the one playing it, why don't you go ahead and lead the segment on this game? Neo Contra, it has a lot of Contra Shattered Soldiers aesthetic, but it's cranked up way over the top. Um, for, for one, there's a stage, and let me just get this visual in your mind for a second listeners you're running on helicopter blades <laughs> and you're shooting stuff flying at you I, and this is like the whole first segment of this stage this is this is dumb moments like that are why i love this series. i mean i mean just go on youtube and look for the intro to this game the opening cinematic oh my god let that sink in it's the greatest thing <laughs> the, the best part about that intro is I can't tell if they're doing it like tongue in cheek or if they're ass balls serious about it. Well, isn't I, there like a weird ending where they're like swimming in space and that's when it's just kind of like winking at that point? 
Oh. I think there's a funny ending where he like slashes the planet in half with his sword and then he's swimming and then it just like shows him swimming in his underwear in the debris. So I feel like at that point it's it's very deliberately winking at you and like, yeah, yeah, this is silly. So the most significant thing about Neo Contra is that the entire game is played from that isometric overhead perspective. I mean, this being on the PlayStation 2, it's probably handled a lot better than Contra Legacy of War. Definitely. So think think a game like Cannon Spike on the Dreamcast or the Hunter the Reckoning games, which probably isn't a fair comparison because those games are kind of boring and shitty. But you have um, a set weapon loadout. It's like a, a Gradius loadout where you can't customize what weapons you have. So you've got a main shot and an alternate and then a lock-on shot, which can only be used to target overhead enemies. There are some on-the-ground enemies that you can target or just certain target points on the boss that you can only use with your lock-on shot. It's kind of like Raystorm and Ray Crisis or other shmups that use lock-on. Um, yeah, so what happens on the lock-on is um, a cone arcs out in front of you and anything that passes within that field, kind of like Panzer Dragoon or something. I was just about to say, it sounds kind of like Panzer Dragoon. Yeah, the lock-on shot kind of feels like it was tacked on, really, but um, it, it does allow you to you know do some things where it would just be like add some depth to the gameplay, let's say, because um, you know, just a, being a top-down isometric shooter like that, it's, it kind of does get back to the whole Akari Warriors roots, but you do have some modern refinements like the ability to lock shot in place or lock shot and strafe with movement. Um, It's not like a a Z-targeting lock-on like circle strafe, which I believe Cannon Spike had something similar to that, but it's been a long time since I've played that game. Um, It also does the same thing that Shattered Soldier does with the hit percentage, so... It's uh, a lot more lenient in that game, though. Uh, a death, I think, only costs you 2%. And a continue I think a death only. is 1%, and then a continue is 5 Yeah, it's very lenient. And it I can be a little tough to find all the things, though, that you have to destroy in the stage to get your uh, hit Yeah, because that game, that game involves a lot more running and gunning. Uh, it is not a boss gauntlet. <laughs> Uh, like, uh, which most, that's that's something most I really will have like two mini bosses um, on average. Yeah, but there is a lot of running and gunning uh, through a level through normal popcorn enemies that I I really was happy to see come back, and I think that's really what kept me coming back to the game is because you know, there were stages. You know, it wasn't just a boss rush. Yeah. Uh, so even if I don't think that game quite holds up to the standard of what Shattered Soldiers set, I really like Neo Contra. And I really animal like Animal Contra. Yeah, Animal Contra. <laughs> you can't talk about Neo Contra with that. Oh my god. Just fucking watch a playthrough of that game. It is. The storyline is goddamn nuts. So I feel as short as Shattered Soldier was, like, if they had had some elements from Neo Contra to use in that game, like throw in a few of those isometric stages. Um, and those games are kind of, like you said, Neo Contra is a little bit more lenient. Whereas I maintain that Shattered Soldier, you kind of have to stand here and do this exact thing. So even like in the... Though they have a lot of gameplay similarities, they're maybe not quite the same. Like like you said, Shattered Soldier is a boss thrust, Neo Contra is more run and gun. But they really feel like two halves of an incomplete whole, um, even though Neo Contra is a bit longer game. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 can, I can agree to that. I still think... Yeah, like, they're both really good. I would take Shattered Soldier 
over Neo Contra personally, but I'm not going to argue with anyone that says you know Neo Contra isn't good. I think, oh, I think Neo Contra is a good game. I, I wish I were better at it because uh, <laughs> beat the I game. Here's, here's what but. you need to do: beat the game once, and when you unlock the next set, of, you will unlock a new set of weapons. The lock-on is fucking broken as shit. <laughs> you will get a lock-on that is like an instant satellite like beam that just crashes down and it's just like the damage on it's like it. It's a GDI ion cannon. It's fucking dumb. Like you <laughs> you can trash bosses in mere seconds with the goddamn thing. It is yeah, just only use that weapon set ever. It comes with like I think a shotgun um, a uh, a shotgun, a grenade launcher, I want to say, and and that fucking satellite nuke bullshit, and yeah, you're good to go for the rest of the game. Like the, you can unlock a a secret character by beating the game in under 21 minutes, and that's basically how you do it with that weapon set. All right, Neo Contra, dangerous guys are back from hell. <laughs> So that's after, like, two really bad games in a row, they got two really good PS2 games. Right, right. And then they came, and then WayForward got their mitts on the series of Contra 4, which, holy shit, Contra 4 is really good. It's really a throwback in a lot of ways, but it's a good throwback. They lean a little too much on stuff like that are sort of like mainstays of the series is like really do we need another wall boss really does it need to start in a jungle come on guys um but um and like really like we didn't need those base stages in contra 4 either they were pretty barfy um my big yeah. gripe with contra 4 is that if you get double up weapons most of the boss fights are pretty broken but oh, if you're yeah. just there with your pea shooter then you feel a lot outgunned yeah. For most of them. Yeah. <clears throat> I played a whole bunch of Hot Contra 4, and I, one thing I'll say is that that's probably the hardest game in the series that I've played. I think it's one of the hardest, because I, it like unlike Super Contra's arcade game, uh, Contra 4 actually really makes use of that vertical uh, plane. Uh, you know, you're going to be fighting a lot of enemies that are coming at you from the top. You're going to be seeing a lot of bullets spraying down from the top, or when you were at the top of the screen, you were going to be fighting off attacks coming from the bottom. It's yeah. It, if you can't if you can't pay attention to the two screens, you're going to have a bad time. Especially if you got to use the gra- grappling hook and there's a stray bullet you didn't see. It slings you right into it. Yeah. I know Rhett played Contra 4. Yes, hi. <laughs> I haven't played it. I'm still here. Okay, we hadn't heard you talk. I thought you were I, dead. I hadn't hey, played the Red. PS2 games, so didn't ah. feel the need to chime in. But you played Contra Red. 4. You want to know what's cool about Contra 4? What's there that? There are girls in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always play as, is it Sheena or is it Lucia? They're, both of them are in there. Oh, I think I used um, Lucia. Unfortunately, they don't have unique weapons, which is kind of a bummer to have all these unlockable characters, and they all do the same thing, with the exception yeah. of hitbox sprite sizes. Right. Although I do like Probotector, just because I like to hear his voice clip. It's it's great that he has a British accent. Probotect yeah. and serve. That's the best <laughs> reference. If somebody in Europe um, wants to play Contra 4, do they have to get a buddy to unlock Probotector before <laughs> they're allowed to do it? Somebody from the NTSC region has to do that for them? 
So earlier you were talking about Super C has a really nice progression of the levels. Yes. And I think Contra 4 is the only one that really comes close to having that kind of progression where it starts off with, like, the jungle stages and then the waterfall. Then a military base. Yeah, and, like, the water level where they're, like, very blue sky, outdoorsy levels. And then you get to the ruined city and it's like, oh, shit just got real. Yeah. And that kind of segues into the alien levels. I really mm-hmm. like the music in that game, too, because while, like, most of them are um, riffs on older themes, they, they change it up a lot. Like, yeah. the jungle theme has this, like, almost Calypso vibe to it, like mm-hmm. this, like, tropical rhythm. And then the harbor stage, which is, I mean, it's maybe not as apparent as, like, say, the ripoff of the waterfall stage or the ripoff of, you know, the ruined city from Contra 3 Alien Wars, but I really... The harbor stage is one of my favorite themes, and it's it's a retooling of the um, first top-down stage in Super C. Yep. Good, good. And also kind of a little bit of a the first top-down stage in Operation C, which was um, an absolutely original song and not just um, a Game Boy-up version of a, a Contra 1 song. And then you've got to give props to Jake Kaufman on that. That guy, he knows old school music and he knows how to reinterpret them in a way that is you know he's just a goddamn musical genius when it comes to uh composing video game soundtracks there's just just no doubt about that Mm -hmm. i don't think i had any idea that was a remake of the super c stage two song a lot of people wouldn't because a lot of people didn't play super c (laughs) i know but now i'm hearing it in my head being like holy shit Yeah, so, one thing I dislike about Contra 4 is the base stage is just... They're bad. They're not balanced very well. The second one, you can really get fucked over if you don't have... Oh, God. If you don't... Uh, yeah. yeah if, shooter. Yeah, if you get stuck with yeah. the P-shooter and you get to the boss on... Unless you're on easy mode. If you're yeah. on normal or hard, you're... Yeah, you're done. You're done. By. You're never on easy mode. You can't fight the last boss, no. the last level, so... And the last level of that game is so fucking good. The last level is so good. Oh, God. I, I haven't reached it. <laughs> it is it is fucking amazing. It's kind of oh, cool. like the last level of Super C, but even better. Yeah. Oh, but cool. Imagine that, you know, it's just like, I, I think that Super C's Aliens Lair is really fucking awesome, but Contra 4, wow, the Harvest Yard is fucking amazing. Okay, I'll, I'll go back to that one then. I was kind of losing, I kind of lost lost a lot of interest in that one. I, I think a big part of it is, like, aesthetically, it imitates a lot of the same areas and set pieces. A little bit of that Contra 3 looseness, where I'm starting to wonder if all the deaths were my fault. And I think if I go back to it, I'll find that it's pretty fair for the most part. Yeah, uh, it's... it's, it's, it's... Like, I, I don't think that there's much that's unfair about Contra 4. I think that there are moments where um, I think that there's... Um, the water stage has like this double snake boss, and, oh, yeah. and I th- I think that boss is bullshit. There's uh. no there's no discernible pattern to it. They just kind of fly up at you randomly, and at times they can just trap you in a way that is completely impossible to get out of. Um, that 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 one definitely needed a bit more polish, but um, hmm. yeah, I think Contra Four has a good balance between kind of the stages where you have to be able to react really quick and the bosses where you kind of have to memorize the patterns yeah yeah it's Mm -hmm. very mindful of like it's it's playing from contra's basic 
tool book of like everything that it had acquired over the years. It's almost like a greatest hits compilation in a way. Um, and it, it utilizes those tools very well. Like there's not much original, I think way forward did with that game. I think that they just made a very sensible Contra game with the tools that were available already <laughs> in that Contra toolbox. It's well, definitely yeah. the, my favorite way forward game I've played. Yeah, they probably need to stick with doing retoolings of old games because their newer games are not very good. Shitty. Yeah, yeah. Fresno like Ducktales. Ducktales is Much just kind of. Other people like I think DuckTales. that game. I think that game was pretty boring, honestly. Um, okay, well, Paul, you like Mighty Switch Force, right? Yeah, the Mighty Switch Force was great. Um, the second one, not so much, but that was just by virtue of it ba- basically being the same game. And I'd mm-hmm. already, you know, I wanted them to do more than what they did with it. Um, but I didn't like Double Dragon Neon. Um, it feels really stiff, and that's like saying that about a Double Dragon game. Yeah, it's like I'm already uh, we, <laughs> a given. Yeah, when you play through, you know, Double Dragon Two and Double Dragon Three on the NES, it's like yeah, those games are fucking stiff, but somehow Way Forward managed to outstiff them. <laughs> it's it's not a very uh, exciting game. I like they they get points for going all crazy with the whole dude bro stuff, you know, and trying to like you know make it a tongue in cheek send up to like the eighties. But it's all style and not a lot of substance. Uh, Blood Rain Betrayal, not very good. Um, it's just like I don't think that I like Way Forward as much as I just like the idea of Way Forward. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I kind of like the idea of Way Forward too. It's like if I hadn't played any of the games, it'd be like, "Oh, here's these people who made this amazing, underappreciated Game Boy Color game, and now I've gone on to make all these great retoolings of old classics and some great original games." Yeah. And then I actually played them, and I'm like, "Eh." It's like I I I, I replayed Shantae uh, last year. I think it was either last year or earlier this year, and I just I was not impressed. It's you know, it's 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 a great looking game, no doubt. That game's got it gets props for its visuals, I think, more than its gameplay. But its gameplay itself is just it's not very good. Mm. I got. Did I played some Kim Possible game on the Game Boy Advance. I think they did that. <laughs> I know that they've done a lot of licensed properties over the years, so that could very well be. But I, I'm just thinking that head. sprite of Kim kind of looks like Shantae. Yeah, I like played one of the idle animation where she's dancing. Yeah, I think I played the DSiWare one, but I played it on my iPhone. So judging it on that isn't really fair. It's the only one of those games I played with the virtual gamepad, and yeah, that's not fair to judge on that. I think so. that one is on Steam now. Uh, I oh, Risky's Revenge enough. Yeah, yeah, that's on Steam now. It didn't look that good. I watched a quick look of it a while uh-huh. back, and it just kind of, eh, it looks kind of like the same thing. I'm not really all that interested. I played through the first, like, intro sequence, and then I got to the part where I was just wandering around this place, and I was just like, no, this doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> With- but then we move on from Contra 4 to even more exciting grounds. <laughs> With, um, Contra Rebirth, which... I'm just going to say is kind of like a bad WiiWare fan game. <laughs> like all the Rebirth games? Like mean? all the Rebirth games? They're not good. Just stay yeah. away from the Rebirth games. I mean, if you if you absolutely have to play a Contra game, I have a better idea. Because um, a game that I recently picked up on Desura, or Desura, or however the fuck you say it, it's called uh, Super Cyborg. Oh, jeez. And... 
yes, it nicks a lot of assets uh, from the Contra games, like uh, the bullet sounds. Uh, it's power ups. Huh. It's power ups are note for note the same ones in Super C, right down to the flamethrower. You know hitting an object and breaking off into four separate balls. Oh, granted, the laser's a little bit more useful. Yeah, the laser is a hell of a lot more useful, but once you get over the fact that, like, okay, guy, you kind of stole a lot of assets, you gotta look at the bigger picture, and is a, he created what I would consider to be the actual Contra Rebirth. Um, it is. It just, plays very similar to Super C. I mean, a lot of these games don't get the feel right, but this one, this note game, for note. this game nails it so well. And like the the and the the the, the, the sprite work and the music and everything is just so good on its own that it, there's a point to where it stops being you know a bad fan game and like a, a respectful fan game. I guess mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure how respectful you can call it when you're selling your fan game for five bucks. But, 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 I think that you know, Super Cyborg, if, if you want more Contra in your life, fucking get that game. It's, it's really good. I, I played it, and man, is it hard. It is. It, it's, it's, the, it's the right kind of challenge, though, because it has that same, like, Okay, I, 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 you know, this, these enemy spawns aren't random. I know what's triggering them now. I know that if I walk forward here, a guy that shoots is going to come up from behind. Or, okay, now I know where the little fly spitters are at that home in on me. And uh, it, it does a lot with really creative boss design that I don't think a lot of other Contra games did. So while it, you know, like I said, it definitely is a fan game. I, I, I'm not going to say it's its own series. It is definitely a Contra game. It still has enough of its own identity with how it's able to play with that Contra tool set uh, that I think makes it worth playing. Um, So definitely grab yourself a copy of that if you can. It's pretty funny that that was how that speaks to how interesting Contra Rebirth is. Yeah, I'm like, are we going to talk about that at all? No, because it's boring and I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's. it's (laughs) But it's got Sugerman. Okay, it is. It's a functional contra game. What yeah. do you What do you want? I mean, that's really all it is. It is contra with like really weird flash kind of graphics and and like. Okay, Rhett, Rhett. You know what? Help me out here. Help me out here, Rhett. Castlevania Adventure know. Rebirth feels awful too. What is it's What is like? What is contra Rebirth, Rhett? It's kind of. Uh, oh no! Now I'm struggling. It's kind of like a homage similar to Contra 4, but just done kind of poorly, where it just kind of felt aimless, and the new stuff didn't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, which and is it has why... a really, really, really horrible sense of humor. Oh, God. It, it, it's like trying the attempts way... at humor are it's, just so stupid. It's trying way too hard. Like... You know, that, that's a good way of describing it. It just tries too hard in yeah, a weird it, way. It's trying mm. too hard to be a Contra game. Just like, just all like the re- Adventure Rebirth, just like Gradius Rebirth. Yeah, the Rebirth Here's games. some heads. See, the <laughs> thing about Contra Rebirth, I say, I haven't played the other Rebirth games, but like stages three and four in this, are, and one to an extent, are really are original. Like, it's not yeah, they're not ba- they're not based on something. It's making new bosses and scenes. It's not yeah. like, like there's a lava level and there's like a level where you're like riding on a robot ostrich. Yeah. It, like it it's does. not the note for note stuff from the old games, which would have been terrible. Right. It does its own things, 
but ultimately, it's just not a rewarding experience when you finish it. It's just like, no, that was six stages of a functional Contra game. Whereas with Super Cyborg, I, I think that this is a person that gets it. Like, they clearly wanted to make, you know, a Contra game. It's just like, this is clearly a big fan. This doesn't feel like a cheap cash-in, even though, you know, like I said, the guy kind of clearly stole some assets. But are they really stolen, or are they just very, very similar? It's, it's hard to say. Because, yeah, I look at the screenshots, and you go, like, whoa, I can ter- clearly tell. Super C right there. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's hard to say. I mean, they're definitely of a higher fidelity than Super C because, I mean, this game definitely looks more like a 16-bit game. Yeah. But I, I play this instead of Contra Rebirth. Contra <laughs> Rebirth's not worth it. Super Cyborg, I, I'm having a blast with it. Mm-hmm. So. And one other thing, Contra Rebirth inexplicably rips off a lot of music from hardcore. Yeah, it does. And and just, it, and it, it doesn't does it, sound right. And it it's does really it bizarre badly. because it's like a weird mashup of Genesis and arcade sounds and then just kind of like lazy synth like you would have heard on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. But it's all like songs that you've seen in other Contra games like The mm-hmm. Last Boss Fight is, Last Springsteen. Yes. The, 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 the Contra 3 Alien War Stage 1 is in there. The Jungle theme's in there. And it, it all just, just really kind of doesn't sound right. Exactly. <laughs> it all looks like Flash gave me and processed and weird. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work with the smooth visuals having that kind Oof. of pretty FM synth sound. No, it's it's just it's so unimpressive. Feel, all of them just feel bad. It's like you know, I, I think I said in my review that you should only get Contra Rebirth if you're an idiot like me and just have to have everything related to Contra. Um, like a, you know, and like we've already said, play Super Cyborg. It's way better. So I moving shall. moving on. Ooh. Uh, I, I love ahead. this one. Go I ahead. love this one. Go ahead. <laughs> Hardcore Uprising. Hardcore Uprising, the totally not a Contra game Contra for the 360 and PS3. Rhett, you know what you should do? Petition them to make a PC version for fuck's sake? No, I think you should get <laughs> I think you should just get Hardcore Uprising on PS3 and join the party. I think they should just make a fucking PC version. <laughs> If they do, it won't include uh, multiplayer, I almost bet. Oh my god, that'd be even worse if they did in that. Because you know what? For like, like, I had never played a game like that and felt like the online was so fucking on point. Like, because I, I, I finished the game with both uh, Boner and John, um, and I had a great time. I, we had a great time doing it. We mm-hmm. rarely had drops, um, and th- the game really feels lag free. Yeah, too bad they couldn't capture that same netcode lightning with Castlevania Hambone of Discord or whatever it was called, their stupid HD acronym that they had to have. But, um, oh my god, Hardcore Uprising, it does a lot right uh, in trying trying to advance the formula. You know, it's got a dash button for one, which really just adds a huge new layer of depth to what could be considered an almost tired formula. Um, it's also got the ability to, like, vaunt through objects and, like... Reflect bullets. Reflecting bullets. Double jump. Double, double jump jumping, air dash. Uh, air dashing. It adds a lot of mobility to a series. It's always been kind of slow and methodical. Uh, and it adds a little bit of craziness that almost kind of feels like it would be a treasure treadmark. A, tre- <laughs> a treasure treadmark? Mm-hmm. 
Well, if you look at the pedigree of Arc Systems works in a game like Guilty Gear, this this really does feel like, you know, those developers taking a crack at a Contra game. That seems like the logical progression. Exactly. When you think about how a Guilty Gear game plays with all the rushdowns and all the crazy, like, what, the dust combos and that sort of thing. And, yeah, it's, you know, just adding those kinds of moves into Contra, it's, um, yeah, like you said, it adds a new dimension to something that was just kind of run to the right, shoot this thing. Uh, and it had really cool, like, like it has the arcade mode, but I think, like, the rising mode, where it adds, like, some persistence uh, in leveling up your characters. Kind of like Radiant Silver Gun? Yeah, buying them abilities, or, like, you know, hey, like, buy an ability, it's like, well, whenever I pick up a spread gun, it's now level two. Or, hey, I start every level with a spread gun now. Um, it gave you something to work for, and I, it, it really encourages you to... You know, keep playing and getting better and learning the stages. And yeah, holy fuck! You know, it's got its problems. You know, like at any time yeah. the game, any time the game needs you to go vertical with two players, it's a it's a nightmare. Uh, somebody's gonna die. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not happening because the the camera doesn't ever zoom out. Um, but holy fuck, that game is so good, Rhett. You should get it. mm Hmm. And that whole final boss gauntlet is nuts. Oh my god, yes. Talk about progressions. Climbing up that tower and then a uh, motorcycle rocket flying a, a um, missile onto a ship and then motorcycle ramping. <laughs> it's like if they wanted to go crazy, the only people they could have gotten to do this game crazier would have been Platinum. Mm, yeah. It's like that's the only way this, ooh, that game could. Yeah. It's the only way that game could have been crazier. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, would it be fair to say that Hardcore Uprising is probably the most significant evolution in the series since I would Hardcore? Agree. I would agree. I'm just hoping yeah. they do something with that um, because mm-hmm. I mean, logically, like I don't like after Hardcore Uprising, I don't think I could take like another entry in the Contra series being, you know, just as simple. You know, run and gun. Rebirth. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't take another rebirth. Like, I, I like Super Cyborg, but I don't want another one of those. Like, I would really like to see them evolve the ideas that they had with Hardcore yeah, Uprising. Yeah, something, stuff like the vaunting and the uh, reflecting was a little bit, un- almost felt a little underutilized, probably because you could, in the arcade mode, you didn't have it. So, building a game with that stuff really in place and important to use. I feel well, like that, you and you've got two really DLC good. characters that play fundamentally differently. Oh god, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sayuri uh, is just absolutely insane. Even though she's overpowered as all fuck, it's like, oh hey, I'm playing a contra game, but with a I'm sword with a sword, and not only am I doing it, but I'm being a motherfucking badass while doing it. Mm-hmm. And Leviathan, he's got a handicap of not having um, being able to carry two weapons, but then he has like the crazy backflip and the grenades and the slide mm-hmm. move. It's yeah, and then there's Harley who just sucks. Yeah, Harley, I don't get the point of at all. He's he's slower than Bahamut. Uh, <laughs> he he starts with more default health, I guess. Whoopee! I guess he's supposed to be easy mode, and in a game that's not really suited for an easy mode because there is no difficulty select. Um, well, yeah, it's called arcade mode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Play without the benefits of the stuff you earned in Uprising mode. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I think I just really like any games where you can reflect bullets back at people. Oh, it's it's fuck. It's so satisfying when it There's happens. Lost like almost completely based on that. Um, the highway stage. Yeah, the the, yeah. the sort of shmup type boss where you've yeah. just got to reflect the the, the bullets. I just back. Really, it took me like ten seconds, and I was like, oh wait, I made a game like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but God. Um, yeah, if there's anything that you need to take from this, Rhett, is that you need to go to your PlayStation 3 and buy Hardcore Uprising, because it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it's. I don't know if it's as good as Shattered Soldier. I haven't played Shattered Sh- the PS2 games enough to know for sure, but it feels like the most significant evolution Definitely. in the series. Definitely. Probably since Contra Hardcore and then before that... Contra and Super C. 100% agree. I really hope they do something with it in the future or, or just make something else that's as significant an evolution. So, we were going to talk about a shitty Chinese Contra knockoff, and I think we're going to skip that in the interest yeah. of saving <laughs> some sticks. time. Um, and I think that we've talked a lot about um, clones like um, Super Cyborg, like Super Cyborg, but we haven't talked about contemporaries like Metal Slug. Um, Boy, I don't I like, like Metal, Metal Slug. Slug. I don't. Yeah. I, I I am not the biggest fan of Metal Slug myself either. Yeah, I don't. I, well, okay, I played. I got the anthology on the Wii and then played a bunch of them. I never like dug into it. I never tried to actually get good at any of the games. But like, just I remember the experience of playing through C of uh, three and ha- and that build up through that game. And then the final boss fight in Freefall and the tank was really cool. And I liked how those games kind of present themselves. Right. With right. Metal Slug. I, I, I just, I, I've I, never the, really he- liked how those games have felt. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's pretty fair. They're big and, eye candy games, but then when you play them, it's like your character moves kind of slow. His jump is awkward. And, um, I mean, the memorization becomes way, way into your benefit because, I mean, you don't really have that much leeway to twitch reflex to anything coming at you because just because of how awkward your movement is right i mean they're they're crazy over the top games and they're i don't think they're bad in any way but i think that compared like, to contra it's just they don't play quite as solidly yeah there, there's a snappiness and a fastness to contra um i think that it the way that it does it's over the top is way more appealing um and Metal Slug is fucking impressive for what it is. It you know nobody's going to deny its presentation at all. Um, mm-hmm. at, at times, yeah, it, that's really the only thing that clicks with me about those games. And, and at times, I think you know its presentation just trounces all over Contra in a lot of ways. But I mean, I, I don't think any of us here really have the kind of love for Metal Slug that a lot of people do. Which is probably, you know, what a lot of people are thinking while listening to this is why we haven't mentioned Metal Slug. It's just, well, we have better taste than you. That's the problem. <laughs> but how many of those games are there? I think like nine. Like nine. <laughs> See, it's kind of like seven. And no there's one there's a Metal Slug Advance, which I think I'm the only person on the planet who has played. I own it. Uh, it's not good. Feel bad. It's not <laughs> very bad good. For you. It's oh, I'm, not. I'm watching the final boss fight now, just for for shits and giggles. For Metal Slug 3. It, it really is far. as cool as I remember. So, oh my god. So I guess... I feel- you're a tank and you fall out of a spaceship in space and this giant this- brain comes and grabs you and you is jump out Metal of the Metal Slug tank. 3? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I got confused there, but yeah, yeah. it's just... It's really impressive looking. Okay. Rhett, you were saying? 
Oh, no, forget it. We can move on. Okay, so I guess the thing that we can take from all of this is that, I don't know, everybody should play Contra games. Yep. Yep. What, uh, what are the highlights? Let's run through them. The highlights? Super yeah. S- what, if, some, if you tell, like, somebody needs to go and play these three or four, two or three Contra games, what do they need to be? Super C, Hardcore, Hardcore, hardcore uh, Uprising. Yeah, that sounds right. Contra, Contra 4. I, I really can't say a greatest hits game like that for me. <laughs> That's why it should be one of the ones they play. You know, I'm, I'm, I think <laughs> it's I'm too hard. For I'm with, it, like an introductory thing. I'm oh, with, no, no, that, that's not fair. It, I'm with I'm with Red on this one. I'm with Red on this one. I think Contra Four deserves to be on that list, and I would say like you know Super C, uh, Contra Hardcore, Hardcore Uprising, and Contra Four definitely. Cool. I yeah. think Contra Four is just a really good look back at. A mix of the NES and Super NES games. Right, right. So you 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 would still be getting some of the stuff you're missing by skipping some entries if you played Contra yeah, Four. So. I guess that's fair. So that's our list, and that is Contra, and we love Contra, and we're done talking about Contra for now. So, Rhett, I have a question for you. Emails. Emails. Did anybody happen to send an email to podcast at <gasps> socksmakepeoplesexy.net? We got three emails. Oh, oh my god! Oh shit! <laughs> Hit us up. So the first, I'm not. I decided since we probably know most of our listeners, I'm not actually going to read the names on these. Understood. Because it would be really easy to figure out who these are from if I told you. Okay. So the first one is from a man of few words. It's got a subject and no body, and the subject is simply dinosaurs. You read. Dinosaurs in Neo Contra. Yeah. <laughs> I like T Rexes. They're cool. Dinosaurs. Raptors. I got nothing for dinosaurs. I got no love for them. Sorry. Jurassic Park's no love for dinosaurs. Movie. No love for I, dinosaurs. Does anybody not like Jurassic Park? I I like the first one. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's sort of whatever, yeah. But I don't I don't think that that needs to mean that I am implying that I have any more love than necessary for dinosaurs. I just think that, hey, dinosaurs, they're a thing that existed. Yep. I was completely obsessed with dinosaurs when I was like four years old. My favorite was the Triceratops. Mm-hmm. And then I remember finding out a couple of years later that the Protoceratops was a thing. And that was like right when I was playing Mega Man 3 and I was like, oh, Proto Man. Oh, that means pro- Protoceratops <laughs> is cool. God damn it. I read a book called Strider because I liked the video game Strider. But the book called Strider is actually somewhat of a pseudo sequel to Dear Mr. Henshaw. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I remember reading Dear Mr. Henshaw. So, I guess our collective thoughts on dinosaurs are then... um, There's there's dinosaurs in Strider. (laughs) That'll be our final thought on dinosaurs. There's dinosaurs in Strider. But then Jurassic Park came out when I was like 12 and it was the greatest movie of all time. Wow. It isn't still? I think it's a great movie. I just don't think it's the greatest movie of all time. Okay, probably not the greatest. It's no aliens. No, it is not alien. Alien. It's definitely not alien. No, alien. Alien. Aliens. Bitch, alien. Bitch, are we gonna have a problem? We're we've almost we've almost made it through this fucking podcast without me we, wanting we to say contra you. contra podcast, and I can't say aliens is the greatest movie of all time. I will concede that point. You can <laughs> okay, have your opinion. Okay. You can have your opinion. Is aliens the gr- okay? I guess for me, it's just that Alien is my favorite horror movie easily, whereas Aliens is like one of my favorite action movies. 
it's fair enough. They're completely different genres. Yeah, yeah exactly. You can't really. Com- it's almost like you can't really compare them. They're Metroid. Just when it comes Contra. to like mastery of their form, you just can't, you can't, nothing beats Alien for me. Speaking of which, Konami did make an Aliens arcade game, and it's kind of a weird run and gun slash beat 'em up hybrid. Yeah. I did an LP of that too. He did. <laughs> Should we go on to the next email now? Okay, next next email. Okay, this one's a. Unlike the first one, which was one word, this one's a lot wordier, so I'll try not to trip over myself. Okay. Howdy, folks. I very much enjoyed your, the first podcast, and you lovely people did a bang-up job. I look forward to many more years of the Sox cast. I'll keep my first question nice and easy. Polly, yes, you. If you had, if you only had one of the following JRPGs to play for the rest of your corporeal existence, would you choose Chrono Trigger or Fantasy Star 4? Hmm... Mm, I, I've got to go Chrono Trigger. I, yeah. I, I, that game, like, I love Fantasy Star 4 to fucking bits. You know, I will probably want to stream that after I do Chrono Trigger. But, oh wow, Chrono Trigger just, it holds so many more, it, it has a lot of sentimental value for me for a lot of reasons that I'm not going to go into. Uh, yeah. It's it, But it's such a fucking almost perfect game. It's so good at just introducing people to the JRPG genre. And I've gotten so many friends to enjoy JRPGs that would never touch them before, but having them play Chrono Trigger, they were just like, yeah, I get this now. And they might not have all gone on to start playing JRPGs, but they at least will be like, yo, that Chrono game with the time shit, that's pretty rad as fuck. So Chrono, yeah, my so- fiancé played Chrono Trigger and played it three more times. It's, it's a really... It could. It's my favorite game. It's her favorite game. <laughs> Nobody's going to deny the greatness of that game. Yeah, that's your box quote. Chrono game with the time shit, rad as fuck. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Austin. Okay, so there's actually a little bit more to this email. Okay. Okay. Also, I heard the segment on Genesis games from last time. Not a single one of you picked Alien Soldier. Hmm. I I wanted to mention it. I thought I mentioned Alien Soldier. I like Alien Soldier. I, I don't think that it's a terrible game at all. I think it's actually pretty damn good, but. This is a fucking three-hour podcast, and sometimes, yeah, whew, sometimes things just uh, slip your mind. And I'm amazed that we actually stuck mm-hmm. to the. I'm amazed that we stuck to the Contra script as much as we did. Hey, what are, are we supposed to mention every single treasure game on the Genesis and go over <laughs> them all in detail? Probably I mean, they're all really good. Land. What do, we do? But uh, uh, and no offense to you, you know, writer, listener, whatever. You know, I love Alien Soldier. I think it's great. I'm not going to argue there. It's fantastic. I mean, I could have done a whole other hour on Sega CD games we didn't talk about. We're good. Okay. Finally, I tried email. to rush us along, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, email. Talk- Finally, email. The sad email. part is, I could have talked a lot about Borderlands 2, and I didn't. Anyways. <laughs> Final email. I, d- I don't know how to process this one. <laughs> oh, God. If the universe is a hologram of a two-dimensional grid of information... Is it an awesome hologram like Sega's Time Traveler or a shitty mall hologram of a flower? It's a shitty mall hologram of a flower. The world is shit. Moving on. Has somebody been smoking reefer and watching Cosmos? (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys know that Sega Time Traveler arcade game? Yeah. Because, yeah, that hologram looked awesome. Yeah, it was actually pretty rad. Um, but I'm going with the flower because I think the world's shit and I'm a pessimist, so that's what you get. Why is Hologram Tupac not an option? The what? (laughs) Hologram Tupac performance at Coachella. Yeah, come on now. (laughs) 
we That's we right, we have dead people you know performing for us now thanks to the miracle of holograms uh, and boner's introduction was actually tupac lyrics so i, I you know, I'm going to change my answer. The, the hologram, <laughs> the hologram would be uh, reanimated Tupac. The universe is Tupac. Y'all yes. should know. I'm just watching all these Metal Slug final bosses. Okay, <laughs> I think we're it's done. It's just here. past John's bedtime. <laughs> yeah. So is that it for emails, Rhett? That's all three emails I got. All right. Okay. So why don't we do one last round here, and everybody tell us where we can find you and what the fuck it is you do. I will start. You can email me at poly, poly at net, um, and you can find me on my forums as Polly. I'm John. You can find me in bed where I'll be sleeping. <laughs> After that, you can find me on Twitter at chrono underscore maniac, uh, chrono with no H, and you can find me at my web... Just go to my website. It's farawaytimes.com, and you can get everything there. Uh, my website is inconsequentialexistence.com. And then you can find everything else from there. And be sure to message him on Twitter, at Rhett. He loves that. <laughs> what was the thing we were supposed to tell him? No, don't. That it's don't. Big Ron Sword. <laughs> Big Iron Sword. Big Ron Sword. Big Ron Sword. Big Goron Sword. Big Ron Sword. I'm much closer than Iron. Big Ron Sword. <laughs> Big Sword Wizards and Warriors. Oh, and yeah. uh, I'm Boner. You can find me at boner.tumblr.com. Um, the spelling on Boner is Bravo, Papa, Whiskey, November, Echo, Romeo. <laughs> and um, I'm also Bonertron on Twitter. Uh, and with that, we're going to get the fuck out of here. I've got a shitload of stuff to edit. Say Me- goodnight, folks. Good night, everybody. Peace out. You're all wonderful. Podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net. And remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you.